Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Who's ready for some football? We're closing in. It's right around the corner. Three and a half weeks to go before the Utes play Weber State in the season opener. And then BYU and Arizona. Intriguing game. Expect BYU to win that, but... And he said five guys to the NFL in the draft. Another eight guys uh, went as free agents. I think the question right now is with three starters on offense drafted, uh, Christensen off the offensive line, Wilson at quarterback, and obviously the losing star receiver as well. So the question is how good is the BYU offense right now as camp gets rolling? Aaron Roderick. BYU offensive coordinator fielding that question. How did the quarterbacks look on day one? Good, not great. But day one, um, did a lot of good things. It's The install is kind of limited, so you don't have a lot of a lot of your best plays aren't in yet. And we have a really good defense. Our, our defense is good. Anyone on the offense that's doing anything to stand out? Yeah, Neil Pau. Neil Pau's picked up right where he left off last year. He's a really good player. Um, Tyler and Peeney look good. And Dallin Holker was looks like he never left. Yep. Good. Did a lot of good things. In the observation period, we didn't see Puka and Samson play. Did, did they compete at all in practice? Yeah. Day? Yeah, they were. They played the whole time. I, I don't know. Maybe I, if they weren't in, it was just Fessy's choice. They, they played. They were both out there and both. They bring a lot of they bring a lot to our offense. Experience, toughness. Uh, both of them, both of them had really good moments today. It's a good addition to our team. How does it feel to be back? Practice. It's fun. Yeah, it's great to be back. But we're trying to keep that same edge we had a year ago when we were just practicing for days, not even knowing who we were playing. That's kind of our theme this year: is to keep that same edge, that same uh, love for the game when we were just out there every day, just working to get better keep trying to stack a bunch of good days together and see what happens. Have you been able to sense a new appreciation from the guys for this kind of this time right now because of what you they went through last year and all of that? I think so, but we're going to keep talking about that because we need to make sure we keep appreciating it, you know? Yeah, because a year ago, it's a tough year for a lot of people. I mean, we, we, we made the most of it. We did a good job, I think, making the most of it, but... Um, we don't want to lose sight of that, of how precious every opportunity is, every every rep of every day. Yeah, is you know, it's a gift, and we got to make the most of it. So, with the success that you had last year, how do you keep that momentum going, especially with a new quarterback? Um, try and figure that out. You know, now we 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 just need to continue to perform and practice at the same level we did a year ago. We have good players in this program. We're, our depth is better than it's been any time since I've been here. And even though the schedule is tougher, we've got good enough players to win those games. But it's just a matter of, like I was saying earlier, we have to continue to practice every day You know, with that chip on our shoulder that we've got something to prove. Because most people don't care what we did last year. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's no, you know. For, for some people, there's an asterisk by it, and for others, it's you know, it's just over now. It's time to move on, and so we got to keep that hunger, that chip on our shoulder, to prove something, you know. 
You mentioned the depth, though. What position maybe do you feel is the, is the deepest right now on day one? Um, we've got a good tight end group, some good players in that group, and our receiver depth is the best it's been since I've been here. Um, and then O-line-wise, I really like – we've got a big group of guys. There's there's about six guys that have played a lot that are proven players that I have a lot of faith in. And then after that, there's a lot of good guys to work with. we got to find out who those guys are. But the total number of them, it's, it's higher than it's ever been, too, since I've been here. Like, there's got 18 offensive linemen out there. That's a lot. And um, all of them have a chance play here someday so we have to figure out who those who's number seven eight nine in that group um, but the top six are really good they're, they're, I don't expect any drop off there how much live action will you have the you know, quarterbacks go through in camp if, if at all uh, in terms of you know, contact or anything like that none they won't get tackled in camp first time they get hit will be in the first game this is, does that concern you at all with uh, the Jaren's history yeah, I mean, he, um, yes and no. I mean, we can't change anything. We're just, we're just going to run our offense and play. And if he wins the job, then then uh, we'll just roll, you know. But sure, he, that, and that's why we're going to practice smart. But um, we did the same thing last year, though. The QBs didn't get hit last year till the first game, and it was fine. And I've been on a lot of teams where that happens. You don't – you don't. I, I think that's – not a critical thing unless you're, you know, I don't know. I don't think it's a big deal. With this install, how many practices do you use to install what you want to do? And then where is the meat of the competition between these three? Is that next week? or? We'll have most of our offense in by the by, uh, middle of next week. We'll be close to the entire offense. So, yeah, Wednesday, Thursday of next week, it's almost all in. After that, it's just a a play here, a play there, specialized situation stuff. So I would say by middle of next week, um, just, we'll start to get a good idea of who everybody is. You know, we've got, we've got a lot of position battles. You know, who's the third running back? Who's the fourth running back? Those are some interesting, interesting situations that are going to be fun to, fun to watch. You're in a new role, technically. This is your, you've been an offensive coordinator in the past, but how different is it today versus what it's been since you've been here? Not that much different because all the coaches and our staff, we just kept everything the same as far as staff responsibilities. Everybody's doing the same thing that they did a year ago. And we, we miss Grimey. He was a great coach, but he was an extra. We had six on offense. And so because everyone's just doing their normal roles, it didn't feel much different than, than it's felt the last couple of years. So uh, you know, now we have five and five. Coach Clune on defense gave them one more coach. We have one less, but we're all doing the same responsibilities, so it just felt like another day of work. Last couple questions. What you get, what'd you get for the trade? Uh, hmm? What'd you get for the trade in return? <laughs> <laughs> we got Al Papunu, that's what we got. <laughs> Kalani mentioned uh, you know, back at Media Day that he wants to see the team consistently at their best every single snap, every single day. Where do you feel like the, the offense was at their best today at day one? Uh, the team, the team period there to end practice. I thought we had some good plays. They weren't all great, but for day one, and the number of different lineups and different combinations that are in there, you got, you know, in any given play, you might have four or five guys that really know what they're doing, and two or three others that kind of don't. 
um, I thought there was a lot of good plays in that session there for uh, for a day one. And of the newcomers on the offensive side, all ex- are they all here that you were expecting to show up, or are there still some guys that you're waiting on? Uh, yes, everyone's here. Aaron, uh, at media day you talked about a timeline, kind of best case scenario, maybe mid mid fall camp. Is that still kind of what you're looking at after seeing them fall today? Yeah, I, I think so. Middle middle fall camp, if it goes a little longer, then it might because it's going to be the guys are good players. Um, but that would be ideal. Just whoever's going to start the game, you know, maybe has a, a week to ten days to really know it's his and be ready for the game. Uh, that's the ideal. Aaron, where have you improved as a play caller? Do you think developed as a play caller from the first time you were officially an OC to to present day? Would you say? I don't know. That's probably a better question for the people trying to defend us. There's Aaron Roderick from BYU camp. Now let's go to the Utes and head coach Kyle Whittingham. Uh, still no pads. We'll put the pads on tomorrow, which will give us an even better uh, gauge and look at uh, what we got. But so far through three days, uh, complete focus and concentration and and uh, pleased with how the new guys are picking things up and uh, are contributing already. So it's uh, been very positive to this point. Is it too soon to see any separation in your quarterbacks? Yeah, way too soon. You know, we haven't had any live work or, or uh, even working pads yet. And so, you know, middle of next week, we'll take a good hard look at that and see where we're at. You know, every day is evaluated, but but until uh, we get to about midweek next week, there's not going to be much to, to uh, compare yet. Well, there be enough practice start to change once you put pads on for the first time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it becomes much more physical and and uh, intense. And uh, it becomes football. Right now, we're running around in our underwear, just you know, just doing our thing. But I mean, it's meaningful and it's it's it serves a purpose. But uh, it's not real football yet. Will there be enough hitting to really figure out the running back depth chart, or will it be like a year ago where you were still using the first game to sort out the running backs? To be determined. You know, it's uh, I, I believe there'll be enough hitting. We have two major scrimmages, probably three or four practices that will have live work. In addition to that, and then another three or four practices that will be physical with gear on, but no tackling to the ground. So we should get a, a good enough gauge to see where things are. But you never know for sure until you get in game situation. And so unless it's absolutely clear cut before the first game, uh, you may very well see the the carries spread equally among the top guys early on and see who separates themselves. With Max no longer here, how big of an opportunity is this for guys like Van and X to take a step forward and maybe? Um, yeah. Couldn't be a bigger opportunity for those guys, and and they're both uh, excited about the uh, excited about that opportunity. And my guess is they'll answer the bell and, and do just fine. And Mickey Sugutaranga is the other guy in the mix there, and and uh, it's just you know it's an opportunity when 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 something happens to somebody, then it's somebody else's opportunity, and that's how they got to look at it. Are you guys trying to? Are, are you guys taking a look at guys from other positions right now, trying to find more depth at defensive end? Not right now. No, we, we're we're just uh, proceeding with uh, with what we got there. We do have enough bodies. We got seven or eight bodies there, and so it's uh, it's not like we have a shortage. But but uh, you know, we certainly didn't want to lose Max. But but uh, that's the situation we're in. Somebody like Clark Phillips, you know, it's always been talked about that he's best served as a nickelback, but he's he's consistently in the cornerback position. Are you still trying to keep him there, or, or do you want to move him, or what's that For like? The most part, we want to keep him there, but he is fully capable of moving inside if we need him to. And and uh, if we had an injury, then you would see that happen. But uh, right now, he's spending all his time outside—not all his time, but 90% of his time outside—and and still a few reps here and there inside just to stay 
sharp. How much has he changed in just those, you know, five games plus the the offseason? He made a bunch of plays today. Clark had a really good day. So did uh, Travis Broughton. Did the five games largely have that impact for a lot of guys? A lot of guys, particularly the young guys, you know, the freshmen and, and the sophomores that haven't played much football. That was invaluable experience, and it is paying off right now. But I'm sure every team in the country has got to sing in the same song. You know, they had their guys get some experience, and it didn't count against them. So. Was, was JT better? Uh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. No, it's fine. you got to be more aggressive. What, was JT better last season than maybe what you anticipated going into the year? He was. Uh, we thought he was going to be pretty good. He turned out to be very very good and and uh, it's not a big surprise because of his skill set and his the tools that he has he was a you know the state champion in, in the sprints in Oklahoma and he's got he's six foot and and or just shy of six foot and he's 190 pounds and he's got it all I mean he looks like a prototypical corner he's got that blazing speed and he put it together sooner than we thought he would but but we we had an inkling that he was going to be good but he exceeded that how's Jalen Dixon been on his return good good it's uh, he seems to be in a, a good place and uh, he's had three good practices and he gives us that speed up the field that vertical stretch that that we need he's one of the one of the guys that can do that for us you'd mentioned a couple of playmakers the other day that were maybe not in the shape you wanted them to be in is that impacting their reps no we're force feeding them okay. they're force feeding the reps and we don't care if they're tired they keep going and and just play themselves into shape and and we have made progress in these three days with that on Wednesday, you talked about the leadership on this team, and you kind of compared it. It reminded you of 2019. Uh, should parallels be drawn to that whole team? Because that was an 11-win season. It gets people excited. Or is it just the leadership and the other factors that are different? Well, it's leadership. It's uh, depth. It's talent. You know, we had a very talented team. I can't remember how many guys we had drafted off that team, seven, eight, nine guys. But, but uh, and this, my guess is this year we'll see the same production in the draft with this group. But... Uh, you know, it's not exactly like that team. Every team has its own personality and, and its own uh, just way of going about their business, but there are a lot of similarities. From a, log- a logistical standpoint, was it a big deal to move from outdoors to indoors given the air quality? No, not really, uh, particularly since there was no live work. You know, if it's live work, it gets a little tight in here, but but uh, when we're in our uh, just the helmets and shorts, it was doable. And, and uh, so, yeah, we hope it clears. Is it supposed to clear up or, or get better? We hope so, because we're going to be in the stadium tomorrow, and we're hoping to be able to do that. That's Can what we're you scheduled speak for. Speak to development of Ben Renfro and Cole Bishop. Ben Renfro, he's he's starting to. Uh the light switch is starting to come on for Ben. He moved back. He spent all last spring at receiver, almost all last spring. We had to move him over there when we had some guys go down. He's back at safety, and he's had a good first three days. He obviously worked hard in the offseason to uh, get himself up to speed and, and become a better player. And then uh, Cole Bishop is uh, a guy that we have. It, it, Nate Ritchie, part two, is what Cole Bishop is. He's, he's a freshman that's mature beyond his years. His readiness to play is beyond a, a freshman, and uh, you'll see him playing this year. There's Kyle Whittingham meeting with the media. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got Robbie Bosco, former BYU quarterback, former BYU assistant coach. When it comes to quarterback battles, now he can stop the spin and talk freely. Robbie's next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Former BYU quarterback, former BYU quarterback coach, now working in development. Robbie Bosco joined PK and I in the show Friday to discuss the BYU quarterback battle and how he thinks it's really shaping up. Robbie, have you got a new title? No. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, it's been the same title for like the last 17 years. <laughs> okay, so fine. It's, yeah, it's all the same. They they made people call me different things all the time anyway, so that's probably <laughs> what it is. Okay. So you're now doing uh, development work. So you're not yeah. in the coaches' meetings. You're not in the grind. So now you can come clean. When there's a quarterback <laughs> battle, how much do yeah. coaches know? And how much is it is is it coach speak, like we're going to make these guys compete and make them get better? Or how much of it is, hey, we pretty much know – but I'm not going to gift this thing to you, even though I'm pretty sure how it's going to turn out. we got to see if you can really up your game, and, and occasionally kids do and throw you a curveball. Or if you just really fall apart, you start throwing picks all over the place. I don't want to start you. I'll start the other guy. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I really believe that going into these situations, everybody has an idea, at least coaches, of what they – want to do, what they would like to see happen. And but it's really good to keep that competitive that competitiveness flowing and kind of open it up and, and see what can happen because you just never know what happens during the summer. Uh who's working the who's been working the hardest and who's who's made a big jump of of maybe something that they didn't see before. Um but I, I really believe there's always kind of a game plan going in, and coaches just like to wait almost to the last minute a lot of times before they make an announcement. But um, it'll be interesting. I think at BYU, I think they have three guys that are going to be very competitive. Uh, two of them have had some quality playing time, and uh, we'll just see what happens. So at Utah, they've got two guys, BYU's three. From a coaching perspective, what's the difference there and how you handle it? Well, I think when you have two, you're, you're a little closer to making that decision on who you want that quarterback to be. And so um, I think it might be a little, it's a little, probably a little tougher with three guys. You know, they're all fairly close in age. And so you want to, you got to figure out things on, how to make everybody happy. Even with, even with Utah, if they have two guys up there, you do not want someone to say, well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to play here. I want to leave. And cause that's kind of what it's coming down to these days is everybody wants to play and nobody's really patient. And, um, so that makes it a tough situation as well. But I think both teams are probably in pretty good situations with, with what they have and feel pretty good about it. A long time ago, when you were coaching, I heard a story about Ryan Hancock, and he came in third in a quarterback derby, and the other two guys were better. But the other two guys got hurt, and he had to go in at Hawaii, and I think the coaches, Lavelle and Norm, and possibly yourself, had pretty low expectations, and then he was great. And I heard a story about they got on the plane for the flight back, and the, and the players were going down the aisle, and, and the coaches were already seeding. And uh, Norm, I think, looked over at Lavelle and said, "Do you see that coming?" And Lavelle, without even looking up, went, "Nope." 
And then he went back to practice, and Ryan was bouncing balls at guys' ankles and throwing them five feet over their heads at practice the next week. And they were like, well, it was just a one-off for whatever reason. He had the game of his life. But then he went out there on Saturday, and he was money again. And he actually played really well until he got his, uh, he hurt his knee against the Utes. How often are there these guys who you can't judge in practice they need the adrenaline of getting chased, and especially with these quarterbacks who are more mobile and you don't want to get them hit in practice, you can't really see what they do until you put them in a game. Yeah, the, the one thing that's benefited that is the NCAA doesn't allow really two-a-days anymore. I mean, you don't practice as hard as you used to. You don't scrimmage as much as you used to. So that's kind of a benefit for hopefully, hopefully keeping most everybody safe. But going back to the Ryan Hancock thing, it was funny. He would, even in games, he would throw five of the wildest balls. Then all of a sudden, he would throw this beautiful 70-yard in the air, perfect pass. And we're like, okay, (laughs) we're going to give this guy a chance. But the same thing happened with Brandon Dolman. Brandon Dolman, he, he just, he wasn't a great practice player. And this is early on in his career, so it was difficult to really play him because you kind of think that it's going to transgress over to the game. And then you got him in a game, and he was just a different guy. And he was he was the guy. And we really messed, probably missed out on a solid year of being able to play that guy. And so, yeah, I mean, it, the, the the trouble with practice, you're always trying to protect, protect, protect. And a lot of these guys, they want, they need to be tackled. They want the whistle to be blown because they're going to make plays out of nothing. And there's always a lot of frustration in practices because if you have referees, the whistle's blown early, and that's what you want to happen. But um, in games, a lot of times that defensive player can't make that play against the quarterback. So, it's it's a it's a tough thing to juggle right there. So how does that work for Conover? Because you already spoke to how Hall and uh, Romney have decent experience, real experience in real games, not just mop up duty, but actual games in which it counted and starting by both started games. But Conover comes in with a big rep at a high school down there in the Phoenix area from a Chandler, which is a football powerhouse, but many guys into the NFL plays at a very high level, but yet he doesn't have any college experience. How can you evaluate that? Well, they're very well aware of Jacob's talent and his skill, and so he's he's going to be right in the mix of it. And so, yeah, you can look at the, the thing is nobody's really had a full season with those other guys. They've had some playing experience, which is great, but they don't have – they haven't played like a full year where like this guy is our guy. So he's going to be right in the mix of it, and he's going to be uh, – he's going to have a great chance to uh, to play and, and see what he can do. So I'm curious how often – and you can't really get this out of coaches. Uh, maybe, maybe you can, but you got to be really careful. It's got to be private and off to the side, and even then you may not get it. But you can tell the truth now. How often – did you pick the guy who wasn't the better guy, but he had more upside? And you're like, we're going to take some lumps, and the coach or the coaches are willing to lose some games, which can always be dangerous for employment. But they think there's upside down the road, so they'll pay you know short term pain, long term game. How often will you pick the guy who lost because he's got more upside? 
Um, you know, that's kind of, it's just a tough, it's just a tough situation. I, I think, I mean, what you think someone has upside is kind of your opinion. And, uh, so that, that still kind of makes it a tough situation. So I think when it's, when it's a true battle and you want to see, you know, what's going to happen, who's, who's going to make the difference, who's going to move the chains. And, and that's the biggest thing. Uh, the, the one thing I really like about Romney is that he does those things. I mean, he, I don't know, I really don't know if he has the strongest arm of everybody or the, the best release or anything like that, but I do know that he gets rid of the ball and he makes things happen. He's not always throwing the ball downfield, but he's done a great job when he's gone in there. And so it's still a tough little situation and to do. Sometimes it's getting guys into games and seeing what they can do in, in, in games that, that can make a difference. But you, you, you kind of go back and forth. I, I would say it's probably a 50-50 thing, the upside to the talent to, you know, what you feel. So interestingly, from Utah and BYU's perspective, the head coaches are coming from the defensive orientation and their coordinators Ludwig and A-Rod have been doing this for a good long while when it comes time to make a decision who I mean I realize the head coach is the bottom line but how much is he taking the percentage of influence from those veteran coordinators since he's basically coming from the defensive perspective yeah these coordinators they've seen they're with them every day they're with, they're with them in practice, with them in films. And, and, and the head coaches have to give them a little leeway on, on, on the decisions they make. And, um, I would, I would say most of them, uh, if not all, will, will give that leeway to the, the coordinators, the quarterback coaches will, if they're not the coordinator, the quarterback coaches will have some say. And, and that's what they talk about a lot in these meetings, in the offensive staff meetings. And even they'll, they'll sometimes get some feedback from the defensive side on who's the toughest to defend, who gives you a little bit more trouble. And so there's nothing wrong with getting that those uh, help from other people. But the bottom line is, like you said, I think the coordinators will make the big decisions. And then the head coaches obviously will be like, yeah, let's just do that. Let's go with it. Going back to your playing days and then your coaching days, and I heard stories about you telling guys, ha, I went undefeated and got booed. Don't think you're special. Of course you're getting booed. <laughs> have, fans, have fans lightened up in the stadium a little bit? Have expectations dropped a little for BYU quarterbacks? Is most of that happening on social media now? Or is it still as crazy in the stadium on game day as it was when you played and when you coached? I think it's still crazy. I mean, social media obviously has taken a lot away from all that kind of stuff. But everybody uh, wants a voice and they want to win and they want to see great play. They still want to see the 500 yards a game passing, the four touchdown passes. And that just doesn't happen that much anymore. And so, but it makes it fun. We have passionate fans and, you know, we just got to, they, they, the players just can't worry too much about that. They've got to do their thing and uh, and do the best they can.
I remember you once told me, Rob, you said that when you got to college, you didn't even think about playing for a couple of years. And you knew you were going to be, they even had some JV ball, I think, back in your day, and you were going to do that. And then after two years, you could think about competing for the job. And obviously, it's a whole lot different story, not just here at your level, at the collegiate level, but at the NFL level, which brings me to Zach Wilson, a guy you know very well and have seen play. So he's the second pick. Used to be those guys sat, but those high picks they don't sit anymore so with that in mind what do you think he's facing with the Jets as it looks like presumably he's going to be the starter from day one yeah well first of all um Zach is Zach is going to be an exceptional NFL quarterback I mean he's really really good and you know when you look at when you look at what he can do it's not about like what he did during the season, although that's part of it. But they really vet these quarterbacks, especially if you're going to be top, taken in the top five. And the things that Zach can do are really special. Now, with that said, he's going to a team that hasn't been been very productive in the last 10, maybe 15 years. I don't know. And so it's um, he's not going into an easy situation. But I think from what I hear – they're, at least they say they're going to be very patient and not really think too much about this year and hopefully look into the future, like in the like the year after, which really isn't a lot. But it's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be a uh, a learning experience, and you just hope that they can give him enough protection to where he can do some things. But regardless of who you are, what you're doing a rookie quarterback put into a situation to try to lead an NFL team to the playoffs, Super Bowl, what have you, it's very, very difficult. And uh, it's not going to be easy, but, you know, I, I think Zach is uh, Zach's a very studious guy and, and, and knows what he's doing, so I think he, he's going to be okay. All right, before we let you go, Robbie, because I've known you a long time and I like you, if you want to walk back that exceptional comment, I'm going to let you do it. But you know how no. the media is. You no. feed us exceptional. How are we not going to replay that a million times? Because that was an exceptional comment. That's why. <laughs> Don't walk it back. Up your game. Go, I'm going rookie of the year, Bosco. I'm up in it. That's where I'm at. Look at it. He could be. I mean, what, what's it, how many games did the Jets win last year? Two? two? Two, I think, yeah. Now they get to <laughs> okay. play his 17th game, he gets an extra chance. So if okay. he gets him to say, three. Let's say he five or six games. I mean, that's pretty good. You'd want, you'd want to put your money in something to get that much of uh, that much of uh, payback, you know, from your uh, – from that. So, I mean, he, look at he – he's going to be – I think he's going to do very well. I have no regret – no uh, – no reason to think that he's going to – he's not going to be a flop, I don't think. I mean, the guy's a very talented quarterback, and I think he's going to do very well as an NFL quarterback. It's just the time. Look at Steve Young. Steve Young went to Tampa Bay. Similar situation. Tampa Bay wasn't very good, and Steve wasn't very good for a few years, whatever it was. He went to the 49ers, played behind Montana for, what, six, seven, eight years? came in and he was a great player so 
it just makes a difference when you're not rushed into to doing something. So you but, want you want Steve to donate because that's your day gig now. So you didn't even bring up the USFL time. You just blew right through that. Steve doesn't want you right to mention. Yeah, he doesn't want you to Look mention it. the LA Express. He's an NFL Hall of Famer. Come on. <laughs> yeah, really, man. What more do you want? That's right. All right, well, we'll let you go, Robbie. We appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. All right, thanks, guys. All right. Robbie Bosco, former BYU quarterback and former BYU quarterback coach, joining us. Coming up next, Dustin Smith. He has been been tutoring quarterbacks for a long time. Now he's the head coach at Spanish Fork High School. He's coming up next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Right now, it's time to talk football with Dustin Smith, QB Elite co-founder and coach. He's now Spanish Fork High School's head Coach, and he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Dustin, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Dustin, you had a perfectly good gig going. And then you went and messed up and became a high school football coach. And you got to <laughs> deal with parents who are sure their kid is the next Tom Brady. And... Kyle Van Oy, and they want more playing time. Dustin, what were you thinking? Don't you have friends who can talk you out of these rash moves? <laughs> I had several friends that, that, and I don't have many, so that, when I say several, that's about all of them that said, uh, what are you doing? You're crazy. But it's uh, especially last year. Last year was my first year doing it as a head coach, and I walked into such a unique circumstance with all the the high school football restrictions and COVID and everything. But, man, I'll tell you, as hard as it was, there were a lot of headaches, a lot of things you don't you, – you miss uh, that gets taken from you. But the boys are – we have such good young men in our state, and being able to work with them, it's, it's it was a lot of fun. So, Dustin, are we going to have a big matchup with you down at Spanish Fork? versus uh, American leadership down there in Queen Creek, Arizona? Because your guy, I think that's where Ty Detmer's coaching, right? Yeah, Ty's down in Ty's, – Ty and Max Hall and Dennis Pitta. They got they got quite the coaching staff down there. They're all down there in Queen Creek, and we uh, we actually took a – we did bring some boys down there this winter, and, and probably 30 other Utah boys went down there and did a little clinic with uh, with his guys and spent some time together with Max and Ty in the film room and, and doing some things. I don't know that we'll ever play each other. They'd have to come up here to play. We're not – it's too hot down in Arizona. They, they'd have to come here. Need to do to one-up them, get Brandon Doman and Chad Lewis on your staff. <laughs> there we go. Good idea. Yeah, I'll pull that. I, I know Brandon and Chad are smart enough not to hop into high school football. <laughs> 
So we are curious with uh, quarterback battles going, and I assume your eye never goes far away from a good quarterback battle. With quarterback battles going at Utah and BYU, do you think either coaching staff is uh, just saying there's a quarterback battle and you know what's going on, or do you think these are real quarterback battles, there isn't much separating, and how these guys perform in practice is going to have a lot to say on who starts the opener? I think they know who's going to start the opener right now. I do think that they're they may not be 100% committed to that guy being the guy all year, no matter what, where maybe in past years, you, you kind of knew that you were going to you know ride somebody a little bit longer, even if they struggled a little bit. Um, I think because of the depth uh, at BYU and some guys who've had some experience, um, you know, that I think they know who the guy is going to be, but, they may have a little shorter uh, leash with that. At, at, at Utah, I think there's a legit battle there. I, I'm not as confident that they're certain on who their guy is, and they're wanting to get a little bit more uh, time with them this camp to make that decision. So Jaron Hall's a local kid. The other two kids from uh, BYU and their competition are from out of state. What do you know about these guys? Uh, from Just from what I've heard, I know Ty um, – knew a little bit about him and and I've talked to you know some coaches on staff I haven't seen the only one outside of Jaron that's there now that I've seen personally or worked with personally is is Nick Billups who just transferred from Utah uh, to BYU the other guys I haven't personally spent time with other than Jaron so but what I've heard of them both from others who have worked with them or been around them or recruited them and some of the guys that are much closer to the program um, is that they they really like all of them, and they they have some unique uh, abilities. That's kind of, I think why it's kind of a, an interesting battle is that they 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 all have some strong suits that uh, maybe the other guys don't quite have, and so I, I think BYU is trying to pick well which is the guy that I guess a best fits their offense, and then b has the most. Um, you know that that, that has the, the the best abilities and and it's three or four different areas that you have to have to be a successful quarterback and that's why I feel like uh, of the group Jaron probably possesses the, the most of all of the areas as far as decision making and and athleticism and experience and leadership and and arm strength and those sort of things accuracy so I'm I'm guessing that Jaron will be the guy to start but. These other guys are right on his hill, which, you know, I think is – I really personally feel like it's a good thing if you've got mature quarterbacks that that don't turn on each other. If they let it be something that motivates and pushes each other to be better every day, um, I think it's a good thing. Dustin Smith joining us, QB Elite co-founder, now the head coach at Spanish Fork High School. I'm just curious in these quarterback battles, so many coaches – want the mobile quarterback and the guy who can you know slip out of a tackle and and make a play throwing the ball downfield or just taking off and running for a big gain and yet you can't really see that in practice because the whistle blows and the play stops so I know they want to evaluate these guys and it's tricky evaluating pocket passers but when you throw in the mobile quarterback it seems like they know who they're going to go with and they're going to go with that person because they can't possibly be evaluating some of that stuff in practice. Yeah, that's hard to – you're right. That's hard to see how a kid, you know, uh, slips out of a tackle or something because you're right. They're, it's a quick whistle, and 
they're not letting him slip out of tackles. The whistle's being blown before he gets hit. But I think you can tell in other ways. There's other ways to see if, if the quarterback's mobile and if he can move and and ways to know that, all right, we got a guy that can slip out of stuff, can step up and exit. And But none of these guys, I, I don't think any – well, I shouldn't say anywhere in the country. I'm sure there are some countries that want their quarterbacks uh, – taken off and, and are okay with that. I don't think at BYU they really want their quarterbacks getting too loose back there. I, I think they want them to be able to move around and roll out and, and do some things. But, you know, and, and specifically in the case of Jaron, you know, he, he's got to be extra careful because of the injury bug and the concussions and the different things that my guess is they, they like the fact that he can do some things and that they can move the pocket with him and, and use his athleticism to kind of stretch the field east and west a little bit back there. But I don't think they're super uh, encouraging on the idea of him taking off and taking on linebackers because last time he did that, at, you know, a guy at Utah State uh, knocked him out at, down at the goal line. So, you know, that's an important thing for Jaron in particular is learning – how to how to get hit and how not to get hit hard and and or not get hit and that's obviously easier said than done but there's ways that he can position himself when he's going in or stepping out or sliding or whatever to try to avoid that big hit and get his head out of the way because you know that that could be the that's the biggest red flag as it relates to him and question mark that relates to him is he plays so hard and he is so athletic and he's so competitive that that's going to be, I think, a hard thing for him to do to pump the brakes a little bit there. And to a degree, you probably don't want him to because that's what you love about him is that playmaking ability. But it's super important that he does not take those those big hits this year and end up with another concussion. Yeah, and we know he's got the athletic ability playing college baseball himself and all that stuff and being able to do a lot of different things. Uh, what I'm not sure, and you'd have a better idea of it, evaluate him as an accurate passer. He's gotten, you know, he, he he's gotten more accurate, but he's always been accurate. And he, you know, I, in the case of Jaron, even when he went on his mission, I get asked about him, and there was a, a lot of people immediately just assumed he was going to come back and they were going to turn him into a running back that, or a, you know, a slot receiver or something, that he was an athlete that, you know, threw the ball in high school, and so they made him a quarterback. And and I never looked at Jaron that way. I really looked at him as a thrower who could run. But his, his, his arm strength has always been uh, elite, and he can make the throws. He's gotten more accurate, and he spent a lot of time, a lot of time that people don't know about working on his accuracy and not have not playing baseball these last two years being able to focus because really that development doesn't happen at camp. It doesn't happen in the summer. You're, you kind of are what you are at this point. Now you're, it's, can you do it in the scheme of the offense and can you do it against um, disguised coverages and, and these sort of things? It's the development happens in the winter and spring as it relates to body movement and balance and mechanics and all that sort of thing. And that was hard to do when you're in a batting cage all winter, you know, you're out, taking fungo all spring so for so for jaron to be able to for the first time in his life focus on football 
in the winter and the spring, not only physically but mentally to have his head in that I'm a football player and, uh, and, and really dive into that. He's had an improvement just in the last year, even in, in, even in his body. If you see him, he's, he's trimmed up. He's, he's more fluid and elastic in how he moves. He's just – he's trained differently, so he, he wasn't as stiff and bulky and, and, and strong. Um, you know, Taysom Hill had to do that. When Taysom came out, he was so strong, his upper body, that there were some things in his mechanics when he threw a football that were – you know that, that were were um, um, he got in trouble with because he was just so he was still stiff and he had to loosen up and and, and do some things to fix it. But Jaron's done a great job. The people around him have done a great job, and and uh, so I, I think he's in a, a really good position, both mentally and physically. And he's he's plenty accurate. I'm not worried about the accuracy. Dustin Smith joining us, QB League co-founder and coach, Spanish Fork High School football coach as well. So at the U, they had a transfer from the SEC. Everybody was fired up. It didn't work out. Now they got a transfer from the Big 12. Should everyone be fired up? Or Big 12 defenses are really subpar, so uh, slow your roll. No, I think, I think they've got a good quarterback, and I, and I think that you know the, the Big 12 still has plenty of, of, of great, great football and defenses and things out there. I, you know, I, I personally wish that the University of Utah would – look more locally for quarterbacks. I think that there are plenty of good quarterbacks that have gotten away from here um, that I think could have helped Utah. I think there's some right now playing at even some other colleges in state that are as good as, as guys they have up there at Utah. Um, you know, that's, I'm, I'm sure that there's plenty of people that would disagree with that, but I I'm pretty feel pretty strongly about the kids we've had in Utah, and, and, and when I say locally, I even include, you know, Arizona and Idaho in that. Just right here close to us, there have been some very, very good quarterbacks. I, I don't understand why they, we've got to find these guys, you know, clear across the country when there's plenty of really good ones here that don't get looked at and haven't been offered. I, I, I would like to see a little bit more push to keep some of those guys here because – they're going and playing other places, and they're good. But, but no, Utah's got – they've got some good quarterbacks, and, and I think they've got a, a, a good group back, on, you know, at, at their position, um, their position guys, their skill guys. And obviously with the defenses that they, they're able to put out every year, um, you know, it's a good place to play if you're a quarterback because you're usually going to have a really good running back and you're going to have a defense that gets you, gets off the field and gets you the ball back. So I think that uh, I think they're fine there, but I do think they don't know there's a battle going on. I'm not certain they're sure on who their guy is right now. Also, too, for BYU, from the receiver perspective, a couple of local kids that you would have knowledge of joined the program, and those are the Nakua brothers, particularly Puka, who had all sorts of credentials. Uh, how do you think they're going to be able to help the Cougars this year? Uh, I think that's huge for BYU. I really do, I, especially with the schedule they have this year. They they're going to play some some corners. Uh, there's some secondaries they're going to see this year that have some really really good players and some teams that are going to be able to do some man to man on BYU and and maybe even you know put another guy up in the box and try to uh, you know address BYU's run game with another guy. They, then they've got to have some athletes outside that can beat guys. If not, 
you know, that's where a de- an offense is really going to find themselves in trouble is if a team can overwhelm them with athleticism out on the outside on the receivers and then load the box. And, and I think there's been years when BYU has played the types of teams that they seems like they're playing every week this year where they can do that. And, and, you know, that, that's the quickest way to make a quarterback look mediocre is to take away a run game and put him in third and 10 all game long and, and make him throw into the teeth of a defense that now knows, you know, that you're throwing the ball and, and then you get a quarterback struggling. And, and so BYU's ability to have a couple playmakers, a couple guys that can beat one-on-one corners and that you have to have a, a, some safety help. And I think those two are going to be as a, a, super important to the quarterback success, but I think they're also going to be as important to the success of the run game for BYU because teams are, are, are going to have to decide, do they want to keep guys near the box and, and let BYU run the ball, or do they want to uh, you know, go out and help against these receivers who both of those guys, if, if you're not careful, if you put the wrong guy on them, you know, they'll take it to the house. They're that good. All right, one last question. I need you to handicap high school football. You can beg off if you want, but you don't seem the kind of guy who begs off, Dustin. Is anybody going to beat PK's Corner Canyon Chargers? Are we looking at a fourth undefeated season for the Chargers? I don't. There's some really good teams in 6A. There's Really, there's four and four or five, and then everybody else is just, I think, kind of their their warm-up game for those five teams. Um, I think that Sky Ridge and American Fork, Bingham, uh, Lone Peak maybe have a chance. That every I think everybody else is sort of in a tough spot. They just have so many athletes at those schools. But I, I Corner Canyon, they're so well coached. They have so many guys. They're so strong. I I don't think so, but there are some pretty good teams. Those other teams I mentioned are pretty loaded as well, and I think could at least you know they'll they'll push them. But Sky Ridge, I think, almost got them last year uh, in the regular season. And um, but it it I'd be surprised if Corner Canyon didn't win it again. Dustin, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Good luck with your team at Spanish Fork, and we'll talk to you again later on. All right. Thanks, guys. There's Dustin Smith. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. The 2021 induction class wants to thank those previous inductees who gave long-winded acceptance speeches, forcing us to have a whopping six minutes to recap our football careers. I want to give a special thanks to my old rival, Ray Lewis, for being here tonight. Ray just finished giving his speech that he started in 2018. Peyton Manning, cracking jokes in Canton, Ray Lewis, Tom Brady, whoever else. Double induction ceremony Saturday for the class of 2020, Sunday for the class of 2021. You have any favorites, PK? No. Nobody said anything that got you going. I didn't watch it. Okay, there you go. Did you watch it? Uh, no, I watched clips of it. I didn't watch the whole Did thing. Did anybody say anything that got you going? 
Uh, that was funny when Manning took a shot at uh, you know Brady when he's inducted in 2035. His, his uh, speech will be uh, posted on Instagram. That wasn't bad. And then Brady got booed by everyone there and turned around and smiled and said, what's up with that? So then Peyton was irritated that he only got six minutes, I take it. Since yeah, a little bit. Multiple references there. Yep. It was part of his shtick. I think they should let him go as long as they want. What's the difference? Who cares? And at the end, he talked about it's only worth having a legacy and a past if there's a future and that all the Hall of Famers himself included and everybody there responsible for building up kids in the game of football going forward. That's when he got all red, you know, emotional and retrospective. At the end, he only had six minutes. Yep. True story. Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield said the six-year, $258 million extension the Bills quarterback Josh Allen received this Friday is good for the quarterback position overall. I'd be lying if I said otherwise, but I'm worried about winning right now. I think the rest will take care of itself. Setting the gold standard for quarterbacks going forward. Well, yeah, because he knows he's going to get his money. If he didn't get his money, he'd be worried about that. <laughs> but he figures he's going to get it. Yeah, we so I'm not worried year. about it. I'm just going to say what I'm supposed to say. But he's absolutely worried about their money. Everybody's worried about their money. It's the way it works. If they tell you otherwise, they're lying. I'm worried about my money. Too bad it's not that $258 million neighborhood. No, Heck I just want the in- reimbursement from the Pac-12 trip. I'll be there you I'll go. Settle- Satisfied with that. Arizona Cardinals partnering with BetMGM. Going to build a sports online uh, or it's a sports online betting company, and they're going to build a retail sports book in the stadium in Glendale where the Cardinals play, which wouldn't be the first because the Suns have announced through a partnership with FanDuel that they'll be putting a retail sports book in their arena. So, not the first in the Valley of the Sun, nor the last. No, I wouldn't think so. Diamondbacks will get there, won't they? Oh, I was thinking of FC Rising. Chicago Cubs have permission to build one at Wrigley Field. And the Wizards and Capitals have They've gotten permission? Gotten that That's good, because you don't want to do it without permission. It's come a long way in your career from the time when you couldn't, you shouldn't be holding a basketball tournament in a casino. My career? Yeah. I'm a working stiff, dude. I ain't got no career. <laughs> okay. <laughs> career? What? DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Cole Bishop is uh, a guy that we have. Nate Ritchie part two is what Cole Bishop is. He's he's a freshman that's mature beyond his years. His readiness to play is beyond a a freshman. And uh, you'll see him playing this year. Cole Bishop, Nate Ritchie 2.0 right there. Another young guy to keep your eye on. And when Kyle calls his shots, he's usually got it right. He's calling his shots. I that down in Pac-12 Media Day uh, two weeks ago from tomorrow. I said, because you pumped up Nate Ritchie and he started as a freshman right off the bat. Last year was a, not a, a regular year, but he was still going to start. And so he's off serving his mission somewhere on the planet. Uh, so I asked him, who, you know, who's, who do you need there? Who's the, who's the guy? And he had said two weeks ago, Cole Bishop. So, yeah, keep an eye on him because he knows what he's talking about when it comes to that stuff, especially on that side of the ball. He's proven it for so many years, so many players. Bobby Bowden passed away yesterday at the age of 91. A school made the announcement. Longtime Florida State coach led the Seminoles to two national titles and finished in the AP Top 5 
every year from 1987 to 2000. A 14-year run. He had announced he'd been diagnosed with a terminal medical terminal medical condition. It was later revealed to be pancreatic cancer. So, Bobby Bowden, a legend. Clemson wide receiver Justin Ross has been cleared to resume his playing career this season. He'd been ruled out March 2020, congenital fusion in his spine, a condition he was born with. Didn't know he had it until he got a stinger in his neck during spring practice. He had surgery in June of 2020, expected to resume his career at some point as a top NFL draft prospect at wide receiver. Highly unusual deal there. You know Bowden went to Alabama as a quarterback. But he left because they had a rule that freshmen could not be married. And he wanted to marry his sweetheart. And he did. And then he went to, uh, what was it called? He married Anne. At that Anne. time, Howard University. Howard, Now, now Sam Furman. That's it, Howard. Yeah, I couldn't think of it. They had changed the name. They there. eloped when he was a freshman. Yeah. Jeez. Whereas at BYU, they encourage you to get married as a freshman. That's the exact opposite. Because then when my baby does the hanky-panky, there's no worries. So that sets him up for, uh, what, like 72, 73 years of marriage there? 72. 72. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. So the NBA rules permit the Jazz to formally announce they re-up Mike Conley, sign Rudy Gay, Hassan Whiteside, Traded with the Warriors, Eric Pascal. All those guys are going to have media availabilities early this afternoon. You'll get to hear them with Scotty in hands and during the big show. Isn't it one like one right after another? Yeah, it's like every half three hour. O'clock, dude. One, one thirty, two o'clock, and three o'clock. Yeah. Goes into the other show, the afternoon show, the big show. So you can hear all that, and in the Utah Jazz summer league. They play in the Las Vegas Summer League tonight against the Phoenix Suns. 8 o'clock in the Thomas and Mack Center. The game will be streamed on ESPN3. Is that on NBA TV? I said it's ESPN3. They move it on to NBA TV on us. I don't know. Hence the question. They have games in two arenas, so they may be the, the streaming. Well, they, got plenty, the they got more than two channels. There was three <laughs> games on last night. So... Thousand channels in the world. It's not just exclusively NBA TV. Uh, they do have games on ESPNU at times, but the Jazz are on ESPN3. And they do have games on ESPN2, so you're right. There's three channels. Well, two channels and streaming, and the Jazz are the third. I don't get ESPN3. I'll help you out. Fetch. But then this kid, Butler, isn't going to play. And they said because he, he hasn't played since the NCAAs. How many kids have played since the NCAAs? Isn't everybody in that position? Or he had some health issues, so I think that's a little bit different than... So he was completely else. shut down, not playing three-on-three. Three and Well, didn't have any of the workouts that they have. And yeah. Justin Zanuck said, had this been maybe a week or two later, he may have played. Didn't want to rush him back. Ten days, I think, to be accurate. Is what he said. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. 
The NBA's open investigations into possible tampering violations involving two sign-and-trade deals completed in free agency. Chicago's acquisition of Pelicans guard Lonzo Ball, Miami's acquisition of Raptors guard Kyle Lowry. The NBA instituted more stringent penalties in these cases in 2019, including raising the maximum fine for teams to $10 million and the possibility of suspending team executives, forfeiting draft picks, even voiding the contracts. Executives can also have the communication, such as telephone records, texts, and emails, randomly audited, voiding a contract. And Chris Paul, give me another example. I got nothing we else. We had it last year. They, they voided the Bogdan Bogdanovich deal to go to Atlanta. They had to redo it. And where did he go? Atlanta. So I wasn't counting that then. So that's Chris a nice Paul. void. Yeah. Who cares about this stuff? Geez, why don't we have capital punishment next? The other NBA teams, apparently. <laughs> no, they don't. This is ridiculous. They don't do what they want. What difference does it make? You're going to deny a guy an opportunity to get his money because somebody called you up or texted you before? Like, wouldn't you like to know how far they did before? No. The week before, that's one thing. If it's a year before, we're into Anthony Davis territory. Who cares? Well, the Pelicans fans care. Davis went to L.A. and played for the Lakers. Who cares? (laughs) Exactly. So you don't even know that that happened. You created a scenario that we're not even sure existed. They got fined for it. They tampered. So what? He was (laughs) going to go either way. It's not like, well, if they had the rule and he stayed right there to the end, that was it. Long live the Pelicans. What difference did it make? Do you hear the words coming out of my mouth? What difference did it make? Zero. He might have played another year if the Lakers or whoever started to have. Once you say might, that... By definition, includes both ways. And if the Lakers started tamping with Donovan Mitchell, everyone here would care. But some sports talk shows. Mitchell is going to want to go. He's going to go. Right. But at least you get him for three Look or four more you, years. Old. You don't know that. <laughs> All right. Let at everyone tamper, and then everyone you, can leave faster. At least. <laughs> Thank you for the extreme. <laughs> It's either all or it's we've got them forever. There's nothing in between. Nice. I like nice parameters you said there. I said three or four years. I didn't say forever. You assigned me that. In the NBA, three or four years is forever. Come Trevor on. Blazers guard C.J. McCollum was elected as president of the NBA Players Association, succeeding two-term president Chris Paul. He's been a vice president. Now he's the guy. Four more years? I don't know how long it is. hope he's better than this other vice president. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Phillies shut out the Mets 3-zip. Phillies have won eight in a row, sitting atop the National League East. They rolling, Zach. Zach. Bryce Harper having a kick-butt season. Kind of quiet. Didn't even make the All-Star team. And is a bona fide MVP candidate. He has been on a big-time tear. Yeah, since the start of July, he's been tearing it up. He had Trout at one point with the two best players in the game. He's still got top 10, top 5 numbers in, in some key categories. But that whole winning thing, because he left Washington and then they won the title without him, this could be it. Phillies could do it. Put that on your resume. Oh, yeah, this isn't, you're not a quarterback here. <laughs> one person isn't responsible for winning in baseball. The Giants... Another day, another comeback. Saturday was awesome. Sunday was pretty good, too. Two in the seventh, one in the eighth to win 5-4 to four over the Brewers following their Saturday game where they scored a run in the ninth to tie, three in the tenth, and four in the eleventh, and 
finally got the win. Having Brandon, a weekend. Brandon Belt reinstated off the injury list in four consecutive games, four home runs. They're going to go all the way. Dodgers keeping pace. They beat the Angels 8-2. Albert Pujols homering for his new team against his old team. And his old team is paying him $30 million. And he homers and, then he homers and receives $30 million from them. That is the definition of a win-win. <laughs> win-win. Thanks for the money. Is that what, the only thing to compare is like uh, these season-opening football games when some little team gets a big guarantee and goes in and beats the big-name team and gets the check. Good, good comparison, but I don't know that they're getting 30 No, they're at 30 No, they tend to get like a mil or something. Yeah. Rockies beat the Marlins 13-8. C.J. Crone homering twice. One of them a grand slam. Drives in seven runs. Career best day for him. Rockies win 13-8. Have a day. Bees lost 11-1 to the Aviators last night. Teams square off again tonight at 8 o'clock. Coverage here on The Zone will begin on the on-deck circle at 7.50 with Steve Klauke. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL losing in Portland 3-2. First time they trailed at halftime. First time they gave up three goals. First time they lost back-to-back games. They reached the halfway point of the season below the playoff line. And the first half schedule, on paper, looked like the easier one with more home games and all that stuff. But they're back home to face Austin FC on Saturday. Expansion team coming in. RSL has some teams to catch now, including the Portland team that just beat them and vaulted them in the standings. Go get them. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Andy Bailey. NBA analyst, writer for Bleacher Report on all the free agency moves, the trades. We'll talk with him at 8.30. And for those of you looking forward to college football, the Oregon Ducks beat writer, Ryan Thorburn, works for the Register Guard in Eugene, Oregon, will join us coming up at 9 o'clock. The question today for Jazz fans, next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The general manager for the Utah Jazz, Justin Zanuck. Is it safe to say that you are going to make re-signing Mike Conley a priority? Certainly we value Mike and what he's meant to our team. Obviously, I can't comment on how things will roll out. However, we do have a plan in place. We love him. Each move that you guys see that comes out, whether it's a draft pick, a trade, a signing, I know there's this urge to have like a hot take, but evaluating those in a silo is tough. In a couple weeks, you look back and look at it in its entirety of what we needed to do and what we were able to execute on. I think the bigger picture becomes more clear. That picture is not completed yet with a few more stages we have to go here. We have a plan, and hopefully we'll get it done. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. 801 253 That's Davis Vision. Question of the morning. Are you happier for Joe Ingles finally winning an Olympic medal or U.S. men's basketball team winning the gold again? Dell will not be painted into a corner. He rejects the question, and he says both. 
Vaughn says both. Becky says both. Can't have it both. Can't have it both ways. How many times have you heard that? Laura says Joe and Rudy. It's pretty much both. And says Joe and Rudy. The honeys are not going to choose. They're not picking PK. So you called our female responders on Facebook honeys. The P Huns. <laughs> nice receive. <laughs> So I've been calling my wife for 20 years. <laughs> nice save. The honeys. Oh. Amanda, however, yeah, jumps, man, keep in, going. <laughs> jumps into the Australian end of the pool and what says, What sweetie say? Joe. And Eileen also says, Joe. Oh, come on, Eileen. Sing it. <laughs> Ryan says, any Jasmine getting a medal is good for Utah. The USA men's team is expected to get gold every single time. Anything else? Did you expect them to get gold? Failure. They are expected to get gold every single time. Did you but expect I, them? To I had gold? my doubts this time. Oh, obviously they lost yeah. that practice game. They lost the first game at the Olympics. Frames that they didn't need to win. Turns out they did not. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was a grind. It's obvious at they the got time there. they didn't need to win. Uh, it. The Australians, the first time they medal, man, they just went berserk. I think they're still partying. There are videos out there on social media, singing men at work, having a good time. Everybody's still wearing their uniforms. Looked like they were back at their hotel or whatever. I assume they're home wherever their homes are right now because Adebayo was at the Summer League game holding his medal last night as I was flicking around. I think it was the Phoenix Laker game that I was watching, and they showed him in Vegas holding his medal. Uh, I think it's somewhat, correct me if I'm wrong there, but I think it's bogus that France gets the uh, silver medal because of bracketing. I get your point. I mean, how do you know the the silver is better than the bronze? They, you know, basically comes down to Australia had to play the U.S. earlier. Right. It's the bracket. So it's bogus. They should have played for the right to finish second. I suppose Rudy's going to tell the Joe that at least we beat the U.S. once. We went 1-1 one one against him. You went 0-1. Oh but yeah, I get your it point. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. So I think it's bogus the way they do that. It's we'll, You'll get awarded a higher medal because of bracketing. Need another game. Yeah, if you didn't play. I mean, if the if they had been the teams that had met in the semis, then that would have sorted it out, but they weren't. So, Right. And so I can make a strong argument that Australia should have gotten the second place. which, But because of bracketing, I've always thought that in basketball, that I thought, man, that's a dumb way to do it. They should have made them play. So you're guaranteed a medal at that point. But we'll see who who finishes second. It's not a consolation. You're playing for a higher medal, a step up on the podium. But it was cool to see the Australians, who've been striving for third place for years, to finally get what they've been striving for. Get a medal. They were 0-9 in games that would have given them a medal. Either win a semi or win the third place game for the bronze. They'd always lost, and they broke through. Yeah. So it meant a whole heck of a lot to those guys. 
more than I would have thought, but it's not me. It's not my medal. I haven't been on this team striving for years. I mean, it it's it seemed kind of soccer-esque to uh, be celebrating wildly to finish third place. But that's what they wanted, and it's something that they haven't achieved. So can I, can, I can appreciate, especially appreciate their emotions, because I've said many, many times over, if the participant is into it, I'm into it. If the participant isn't into it, then I'm not into it. And that's what had been the knock in the NBA All-Star game all these years. You know, Obviously, they weren't into it, so why should I be into it? But if they care, which obviously judging by the emotions that they expended and celebrating, then yeah. Now, I didn't watch it because it was on at 5 in the morning, and I'm not Bob Casper in the British Open. <laughs> <laughs> But so. it's the kind of thing you look up when you get up. Or you just hit Twitter and you just see it. Uh, yeah, and they got I'm, it. I'm Joe not, said that was the goal going in, so. I'm not the Twitter dude that you are, so I had to look it up. Uh, so I did look it up. Actually, we were on the way to the gym at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning Saturday. And my wife said, so did Joe get his medal? And I said, I don't know. I'll have to check that out. So I did not look at it at Twitter at 7 o'clock in the morning when I got up. Yeah. Travis says all three teams were worthy of winning gold. Congratulations to Team USA. Congrats to Rudy. Congrats to Joe and former jazz man Dante Exum for finally winning a medal after getting close so many times. Yeah, I wouldn't put Exum finally winning a medal. A little younger than Joe. Yeah. But Joe's an elder statesman. Uh, I don't know that all three were worthy. I think it was the U.S.'s all the way, and it'll be the U.S.'s all the way for the rest of my life. And I'm just getting started. (laughs) (laughs) How many years you got? Looking forward to that 111st birthday. 111-year-old Patrick Kinahan. Well, dying is not on my mindset right now. There might be an accident, obviously, but uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not contemplating that. So, I expect to be around many, many more Summer Olympics, and I don't think the U.S. will lose. I think that it's who they are. Going to get the best players there because that was obviously the hitch this year. Well, they don't need the best players. They need players good enough, and then obviously having Durant, who is one of the best. And it has been. That's plenty good enough. He came up big. So, I mean, I don't expect these guys to ball out on games that don't matter. What's the difference? I mean, you're, you don't get judged by margin of victory or if you lost a game somewhere along the line. All this widespread panic was ridiculous. When they come to play, they're better than you. You just, all you do, the NBA's obviously the best league in the world. You just add up who has more NBA players. Well, every year the U.S. Has, has more NBA players. players. That's why we've got multiple <laughs> listeners saying here they're expected to win. They are. But they didn't in 04. And one of the big problems was key guys didn't play. And key guys didn't play this year, but they had Durant. They changed everything from 04. So it's ridiculous to keep going they've back been, to that. But they've kind of been going back to it because what they changed was guys were playing together for two or three summers, and this team didn't. And starting in 08, nobody they got played the, together last summer. 
Right. But a lot of these guys didn't play together two years ago in the World Championship, the World Cup, whatever they're calling it now. World Cup. Who cares? It didn't matter. They got they got away with it this time. <laughs> they didn't get away with they it. They did. Get away with it? Man, why do you so freaking you don't think any downgrade the, lessons, the U.S.? You don't think any of the lessons from 04 apply anymore? Man, uh, why 04? I couldn't give a crap about 04. Who, 04. Thank goodness they lost, or else you wouldn't have anything to say. 04. Say it one more time, and I will bash you. 2004. Ha! Work around. Who cares about 2004? That's almost 15 years ago. It's 17 years ago. Right, which is almost 15. Stand by my statement. (laughs) (laughs) As long as the U.S. wants to win... They will win when they don't want to win. Okay, well, or they don't win. care. So wanting to win, and they wanted to win. They didn't want to win against Australia in Vegas. They didn't want to. It didn't matter. It didn't matter losing the opening game to France. It didn't matter when it mattered. What happens since '04? Every time they've won. So why would I, I look at it, 04 as some I don't think um, it was mattering. thing going I think it was, forward? I think it was getting more players and more talent. Drew Holiday helped him. Well, Drew Holiday wasn't there. Then why the hell Booker did you make him. a big deal about him losing to Australia? Booker helped him. For the very reason you made a big deal of it. Because we didn't know how much uh, gas they were going to have in the tank coming over after the NBA Finals. And it turned out they had enough. But we couldn't That's guarantee you that two weeks an, ago. And Durant wasn't in anything. They don't win without Durant. He was the key player. I agree. Right, he took over, which he should, because of He's all the, the eligible players playing, he was the best. We would all agree on that, that he was the best player. And he knew he was the best player, and everybody there knew he was the best player. That's how awesome he is. He's with a collection of NBA players on around the world. I mean, because there's NBA players just about on every team, right? right yeah. And on some cases, multiple. The ones who don't have yeah. NBA players get blown out early in the yeah, tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, all the medalists did. And so everybody there knows this man yeah, is the best. Is the best. Yeah. And to be able to come through when you're needed the most and everybody knows it's going to you, I think that's pretty sweet. And to watch him play Friday night in that game was awesome. Because he was the best. And he competed at a high level. Yeah. I tip my hat to him. He's a, Obviously, he's a special, special player. I mean, I was, I saw it. Of all the broadcasters in the world, I saw it first. You're the man. <laughs> That's a fact. That's an inarguable fact. <laughs> okay. It's totally an arguable fact. You know. You don't know what Barry Trammell in Oklahoma City thought. He might have seen it first. He wasn't a broadcaster. He's not doing his radio show anymore. There's some random. It was then, not now. Okay. (laughs) Doofus. I missed your point. I got it. Okay, all right. If you miss it, I missed. I I wasn't getting the summer league reference. Okay, it happens. It happens. And that was sweet the way you called for that drop because it's an awesome drop. Hit it again. Oh, I seen it all. And you got to take my word for this. 
the coolest part of the whole thing. And it was an awesome play and an awesome shot. And it was a great reaction by you. But the fact Durant was on the sideline right in front of us and looked over and smiled. But you don't have to take your word for it because there was a Beautiful. video of it. Beautiful. Somebody put out a video. Where is that video, Yuck? I, I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? No. It's out. I saw it on your famous Twitter. I tagged you guys on it. They had well, a, let me look for it. This then. is <laughs> probably a few weeks back now then. Oh, no, like, it's buried. Because they're saying it was like 14 years ago today, Kevin Durant yeah. made some really good oh, I saw that, but that was on the wide shot. No, he looked over and you yeah. can see him grinning. Yeah, He's awesome. looking right to his left. You made Kevin Durant laugh. <laughs> That's awesome. It's on video. You don't have to take your word oh, for it. Don't which, take my word for which it. But you're David James Sniggledorf the third. So taking your word for it is actually better than seeing it live because mm. no one trusts you more because you're America's sweetheart. I screw stuff up. You talk sweetheart. Uh, I when it comes to that, you're the a good trusted local boy. You're one of us, even though you're not, but we won't go into it. Because <laughs> 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 they love you so much. So you can come out. I could say two and two is four. <laughs> you could say whatever. Yep, he said it, man. That guy carries that guy. He's been carrying him for 20 years. If I say two and two is five, people will go, PK annoys me so much. But DJ said it. Doesn't so matter. we don't need no stinking video, but there the only literally thing left, is video. The only thing left is to talk to Kevin Durant and see if he remembers the moment. We need to go, when he goes into the Hall of Fame in Springfield, Mass., we need to be there to ask him, do you remember your first summer league game? And the inbounds underneath. 19 years old. Phenomenal. Well, if we showed him the video... He'd absolutely remember yes. that. We'll have the video there, but we want to see if he just recalls it. So I, the first broadcaster, <laughs> yes, I did actually vote him Wooden Player of the Year that year. Uh, yeah, uh, but I had to take, he played in Texas, obviously, and yeah. that one year. But I, as the first broadcaster, and that was the only time in my legendary color analyst career that I spoke over you, because I knew <laughs> that you couldn't capture the moment, and it was up to me, oh, and so I had to capture the moment. Which obviously that I was, did. That was well played, even though it was self-serving. <laughs> self-serving. If speaking truth is self-serving, so be it. <laughs> you have a you have a broadcaster who ca- captured the first glorious moment in Kevin Durant's career, and then they've never had me back. I went out on top. <laughs> oh, I seen it all. There was nothing more to see. I left. And they've never asked me back. You can't top perfection. <laughs> Got to move All along. these summer leagues later, you think they would ask me just actually, do one? Actually, they did. Well, I did like a quarter. quarter. Yeah, one quarter. Come on, that's like bringing back Vince Scully to call well, a pitch. The same. Amount, the parallels after, are striking. After Mick sings for a couple <laughs> hours, and the crowd <laughs> roaring brings him back out. Yeah, I mean he'll do one more song. He's not going to do another couple hours. Come on. It was your encore. My talents appreciated. I think not. Oh, I've seen it all. <laughs> you never know when the defining moment is going to come. You just have to be ready for it. <laughs> A defining moment. Okay. They should have that Kevin. shot with my voice in Springfield. Kevin, your third straight gold medal was great. Especially since a lot of the big-name stars weren't there for one reason or another. But I want to talk to you about Summer League. 
The it's simply known as the basket. <laughs> the shot. Not the shot. The basket. <laughs> I think as long as the U.S. continues to send enough talent, they'll win. There it is. But are they going to? Well, they should. Because I think once we get past this, it's going to be cool to love America again. Well, there's some of that going on. There's some people not rooting. We do have some reaction here from people who don't want to uh, root for these guys and don't want to root for the U.S. I don't get that, man. Tracy, I was happier for Joe and Rudy. I'm tired of most of the players on the U.S. team other than Damian Lillard. <laughs> why, why would you be tired of Kevin Durant? He was brilliant. What is the? I don't get it. Why would you be tired of him playing at that level, watching him play, leading our country to the gold medal? No one's saying it, but I assume it has to do with the bubble and taking a knee and all that stuff. Yeah. Shane says, I'm glad the USA won. I would have been less glad if all the head cases, LeBron, etc., would have played. Impressive that we still won when many of our top ten players wouldn't play. But I like Joe and Rudy meddling as well. Well, LeBron goes out there and he's decided he wants to be Muhammad Ali Part 2 without paying any price. Uh, or certainly not the price that Muhammad paid, obviously. Uh, but other than that, Duran, he just goes at people if you criticize him on Twitter. I mean, it's... Burner account. He's just a heck of a player. And, and that was last year. Uh, not and, this year. And he's, uh, he's played in three Olympics now. And I think he's played some other summers, too. So he's given up a lot of time for this. It clearly does mean something to him. I mean, you go once for the experience, that could be for you. I get it. But to go three times, you've had the experience. And to go this time when it wasn't going to be the same, there weren't going to be fans and the whole Olympic Village experience, which would be different and cool if the basketball team partakes in it. And yeah, but it on he some made a commitment ship. before that. Yeah, I mean, he stuck by it. So, And what is, I mean, they bumped it to another summer and... I appreciate his commitment because he was needed. I don't. I don't believe. I don't know this. But they probably don't win the gold without him. Maybe they don't. I can't say probably. All I can say. All I can. I, the highest I can go is maybe. Because how do I know Lillard or Booker or whomever doesn't, doesn't step go in? Off. And and but that that was what was cool is those guys knew this man over here is better than me, right now. So I may. I, my job is to make sure. I fit around him. So even though you got Lillard and so and all these other players that are you know multiple All Stars, Hall of Famers themselves, they can understand the situation. I got to fit in with him, not the other way around. We're not even here. He's above me. Got to be about winning. Got to yeah. analyze the best way to win. If the best way to win is get that guy the ball, then get right. him the ball. And I'm watching that game. It was so abundantly clear that that's what they were thinking, that he was the best. And I think that's pretty cool because Lillard has hit so many incredible shots over his lifetime that he could have started thinking, well, man, I'm here. I'm just as good and blah, 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 blah. But it wasn't about that. It was about winning. And Durant was going to lead you to win. And nobody really had a problem with that. And that was that was pretty sweet to watch, I thought. as a, am just a basketball fan. That's all I am. And watching that game, I was entertained watching that game. And and credit France. You know, they, it's no question that the other countries have gotten better because you just look at the number of NBA players. You know, which country is going to produce the most NBA players? 
in France. Australia seems to be on the come. Yeah, I think all these countries, and this is the difference with the U.S., is the U.S. is always just super loaded with talent. Other countries have golden generations. Argentina was loaded for a while, but they're not now. Spain was loaded for a while, but they've clearly slipped. Oh, okay, France so that's and my thought. are peaking now. Now, in three more years, when we get back on the traditional Olympic cycle, Australia might be a little... See, I don't know that it's just that, though. I get your point. But I think basketball in these places are emerging. So another country is going to get to the point where they're going to get up and stay up. Yes, I'm expecting Australia to be competitive. And this, obviously, in my mind, is not going to be the only time they win. We're sitting here 12 years from now, or 11 or 13, because it was on the odd number with the thing last year. Whatever that is. So three or four Olympics from now. I expect Australia to have multiple medals because it seems, and we can ask Joe about this, he would know this way better. It seems like every year, and they had a young kid who was picked high in the draft this year, that there's guys coming up more and more from that country. So in my mind, having not studied it out by any stretch, just looking at it cursory, that Australia is going to produce more talent. It's not just a circumstance where they just happen to have a bunch of good guys, as you say, Spain, the Gasol brothers have gotten old. And, you know, they're at the end there. And so we know, and Rudy Fernandez or whoever else was on the team, those those guys aren't around. So I'm not sure what's going on there. But it seems from at least a long-distance outsider perspective, Australia is getting a little bit better, and I expect them to continue to get better. Josh Giddy was that the Australian you were thinking of? Yes, yeah. And we had asked, I asked Joe about the kid, uh, so yeah, so he's another guy. So I'm, to me, I'm expecting in years to come, other guys. And the the, the days of a Patty Mills going to St. Mary's, I think, are over. More the Joe to the pros path, and they've Not, got their no. own pro league. What I'm saying is that. A Patty oh. Mills will be discovered earlier, and the bigger schools will be after him. Okay, if he yeah. chooses to go the Joe route to go pro, so be it. But if he chooses, but even to if he goes the a States, college route, he's not going to say. A la Ben Simmons, you know, LSU, LSU was a much higher profile, yeah. and he had, there was a coach there. It's not a big time profile in basketball level relative to football. Obviously. Nonetheless, it's the SEC, yeah. and so point. you won't nothing against St. Mary's, but it's off the path. I mean, try to find it at night with no GPS. Brutal. It is really dark. They're not big on streetlights in Moraga. And there's deer all over the place. <laughs> Scare that. You know what out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Jumping through the headlights. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280. The Zone will run these thoughts past Andy Bailey, NBA analyst, get his thoughts on the Jazz and the way the team's roster has been the core has been preser- preserved, and yet there have been changes to the rotation. We'll talk with him coming up at eight thirty. DJ and PK. It's ninety seven five at twelve eighty. The zone. SNS Roofing, your locally owned roof repair experts. For a free quote and for all your roofing needs, call SNS Roofing. PK, why isn't your genius understood? It is in my mind. Doug Holler. Who you've known of, or I at least speak to him. I don't know how often. You know of him. Yeah, it's Haller. But yeah. Haller. So he's got a huge story out on uh, why Arizona and Arizona State can't keep kids in state. Eight anonymous high school coaches with all kinds of stories. 
I'm going through here looking for someone saying it's hot. Okay. Well, you got Slovis to say it. How come everyone else can't absorb that? Because that means you have no chance. Because it's never not going to be hot. So nobody wants to admit that because then you, what's the point? They're not going to come to your school. And high school coaches love it when the college coaches come and schmooze them. It makes them feel important. And every high school coach didn't get in to education to be a teacher. They got in to be a coach. That's what they care about the most. The classroom is uh, a necessary evil. Something they must get through Yeah, to get to dessert. Yeah. That's why they're there. And that's fine because they have a massive amount of impact on the boys and girls that they coach. There's nothing wrong with that. I played golf the other day with a kid from Park City, and he was kind of tall and lanky. And I said, "Uh, when did you graduate? I think he said 2018, 2019. He said, and I said, what sports did you play? Football, basketball, baseball. And I said, oh, who's your basketball coach? Well, I knew full well who it was. It was Doliak. So uh, he said, yeah, Michael Doliak. (laughs) (laughs) And so... You know, obviously he's a, uh, a former Ute, played in the NBA. So those those people can have a great impact, I mean, great role models, uh, and help kids out and all that stuff. So I'm not discounting that. But if you start start saying, well, the heat and whatnot, it is that that's never going to change. So they're going to give people an opportunity. And in defense of the high school kid, the programs haven't been nearly good enough. I mean, if you're looking at Oakland, Spencer Rattler is a quarterback at Oklahoma now, and you know Heisman candidate, if not favored. I don't, I haven't seen any of that stuff. But and so you got Arizona, Arizona State, Oklahoma. There's no comparison. <laughs> and I'm not sure a combined team of those two programs could beat Oklahoma. And you go to Oklahoma there, and it's like here. And I've been to to Oklahoma. It's closer than uh, Oklahoma City than uh, here to Provo, but it's basically the same. And, you know, the town with the the thunder, and then that's it. And then we go right to the colleges. The NBA and two college rivals who play at a pretty good level. Triple A football, baseball in town. So it's very, very similar. Uh, And the attention there is overwhelming and just enormous. So you can see why they would do that. Uh, and that's it's going to be a perpetual problem. Well, it has been for many, many years. Uh, I've called it that way. What I thought was interesting is that, uh, and I should have brought this up earlier, is Dustin Smith, who we just played, uh, the, what's his uh, QB elite? What's his yep. thing? Yeah, QB elite. He basically called out Utah for not recruiting local quarterbacks. Local quarterbacks. Yeah, He thinks there's talent in Utah and really throughout the Intermountain West with Arizona and Idaho. And he doesn't understand why they're going all these other places to get their quarterbacks. I can't hold Utah responsible for not getting Arizona quarterbacks. Now, if there's not recruiting them at all, that's another story. But no offense to Utah, uh, 
goes to the Arizona Arizona State thing. If you have Oklahoma after you, I mean, the fact is Utah's not Oklahoma. So how do you look at that and Oklahoma not running the wishbone anymore? <laughs> you know they're obviously sending quarterbacks virtually every time they're eligible to go to the NFL, right? It's no used to be a kid from Banning, which is uh, in the L.A. Harbor area. Jamal Holloway, I think his name was. You know, he he's a freshman in in the '80s, and um, they won the title. And he's running the the option, and he was big man on campus when he came back to Banning the following year or spring or whatever summer. I was there, but uh, you know, he had no chance at a pro career because he's he's running the option. Well, now that that's you're going to the military academies if you're doing that. And so you can go to the NFL at these institutions that used to just run the option and the wishbone and all that stuff. Well, that's not anymore. So I don't know if the Utes bothered to waste any time or effort recruiting uh, Spencer Rattler. I can't, I have no idea. Uh, so I can't really criticize them if they were interested, but if the kid has no interest, but you got to move on. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you got a limited amount of time. You got to go find somebody else. Right, right. And so, what's the point if he's got Oklahoma and the stars in his eyes? Good luck to you. You know, if, you, if the, those kids are Gordon Hayward's, and Gordon Hayward had stars in his eyes, and he was never going to resign with Utah because he had stars in his eyes, and the Celtics were obviously on a much higher level, and so he was going to chase that. It didn't work for him, but he was going to chase it. It worked for him financially, but it was going to work for him financially no matter where he went. Uh, so if they're that level of kid or think they're that level of kid, then you've got to move on, as you say. So you can't really criticize them of that. But I, I think for some schools, and actually I think for every school when you think about it, if you have a local stud and he gets away, you're held accountable. Do you think you're held accountable as much as you used to be? Yes, even more so. Really? Because recruiting now is so public. I used to have to call coaches all over, all over the place when I wanted to delve into recruiting back when I was working for the Watchdog. It wasn't so obvious. Right. And now they put themselves out there, blah, blah, blah. And you had to work. It, it, It was some of the hardest work you had to do because you're focused on covering the team, and then it popped up these websites and these web uh, companies, basically, that that's what they did. That was their whole emphasis was on recruiting. So I think recruiting is at a much, much higher profile now. But there are so many states where the best kids go out of state because so many of the league programs are recruiting Doesn't nationally. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Before... You didn't really know of them, probably, until the kids signed. But you and, still and knew. Not to the level you know now, man. You want to see the, the top quarterback? Well, turn on your television every Friday night. There he is. Because it seems like uh, maybe they did it back in the 80s. Maybe Channel 2 or your company broadcast prep football back then. I they don't did. know. They did. There was a game of the week. Actually, it was in the 70s. Just Jeff Judkins talked about it. That's the only reason I know about it. That was his goal growing up, was to play in the high school basketball game of the week. And the last year they did it was, I think, his sophomore year, so he got to play in one. He reached his goal. It was the first goal he set for himself as a basketball player. Okay, the last year they did it. That's going Yeah, and then they stopped, right, yeah. <laughs> and we're still going mean, to do the high school state tournament. We don't do a game of the week for basketball. Uh, Not yet, anyway. So Maybe these kids are getting so much publicity now 
uh, which is you know why they they transfer into these certain schools and whatnot. Uh, they're they're so well known now more than ever. I mean, if you're recruiting a kid, you can watch him play live. You can sit oh, yeah. in Oregon and watch the Corner Canyon quarterback live, and it doesn't even have to be on your station. They stream streams games. all over the yeah. place. Tons of streams. Yeah. A lot of two A 2A and three A schools in Utah have their games streamed. Right. So there's a lot of stuff out there, and coaches do, especially sitting on the road. If they're not out recruiting, then they are streaming and following kids. And there is an anonymous coach here from the East Valley who says, well, it was 109 degrees when we just finished practicing just now. Once kids find out they can go to a cooler climate, that's drawing kids in. And who told you that years ago? You did. <laughs> and who got, a, who got a high-profile player to say it live into a microphone? You did. Because it was obvious, and it's a significant factor, and that's never going to change. No matter how good your program gets, you're, it's still going to be just hotter in Arizona than it is everywhere oppressively else. Oppressively hot for several months out of the year. Try playing football in 109-degree weather, and that won't even be the hottest day. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Andy Bailey, NBA analyst, writer for Bleacher Report, here to talk NBA free agency and trades at 8.30. Stay with us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Homie. Finally, the way real estate should be. Full service, local agents, and you will save thousands. Homie, a better way to sell. So you really think coaches are going to get held accountable for not recruiting local guys? Yes, I do. But I think there is a way around it. The guy you have is good enough to help you win. There it is. And so in the final analysis, that you will be okay if you win. But you look at both coaches from Arizona, they haven't won. So what happens? Every four or five years, they get fired. So it's not, well, you didn't get this player. No, it's an accumulation of stuff that adds up, and then if you don't get them, then you lose, and you're out the door. Or you don't win enough. And then you get canned. Yeah, that's what it boils down to. How many coaches win with the out-of-state guy? Stanford does extensively. And now I guess the high-end programs are doing it because they're recruiting nationally. I mean, you just look at the recruiting rankings, and Oregon is taking top two or three players out of all the states around the West. I mean, they're coming to Utah and getting guys, but they're going to everybody in the West and getting guys. Nevada, California, right in their backyard in Oregon. Oregon Obviously, Hawaii. started a kid at quarterback last year from Arizona. Arizona. And now he transferred to Texas Tech. But one of the three in contention to start this year is from Arizona. He's from the Phoenix area. Yes, it is a major issue. And if Jackson Dart blows up and becomes a top 5, 10 pick in three years, it's going to look bad at Utah unless they're winning the South and winning the conference. Then it doesn't matter. Just win, baby. And the thing about it is I think Kyle gets somewhat of a pass because he's so beloved. And then there may be some fans saying, well, he's not beloved by me, but he's so beloved by the media. And so everybody around, me included, I include myself and in any criticism, is reluctant to call him out. 
But you blew it on Zach Wilson. How else can I say it? You There's blew it. Nothing really else to say. <laughs> but, you, you, you evaluated guys, and you took a guy who was in and out of your program yeah. before Halloween of his freshman year. Yeah, he, I mean, just he was gone. And meanwhile, <clears throat> the other guy ends up being the number two pick in the NFL draft. So there is a zero percent chance that anyone can successfully spin that. See, I would question what Dustin Smith says to the level of accuracy, though. How accurate is what we're about to play? Is it? Just how accurate is it? There are plenty of good quarterbacks that have gotten away from here that I think could have helped Utah. I think there's some right now playing at even some other colleges in-state that are as good as as guys they have up there at Utah. Um, I'm I'm sure that there's plenty of people that would disagree with that, but I'm pretty – feel pretty strongly about the kids we've had in Utah and, and 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 when I say locally I even include you know Arizona and Idaho in that just right here close to us there have been some very very good quarterbacks I I don't understand why they we've got to find these guys clear across the country when there's plenty of really good ones here that don't get looked at and haven't been offered I I, I would like to see a little bit more push to keep some of those guys here because they're going and playing other places and they're good so I guess I would start by asking him if we had to follow up and hit him up more on this topic. How far back is he going? Because I don't think, and maybe I'm just missing somebody, but was somebody going to beat out Tyler Huntley? Because he says all the way across the country, that's who came to my mind when he went to Florida and got Huntley. But the way Huntley played, I don't know who would locally would have beat him out. Now, if you go back prior to Huntley, maybe there is somebody who could, who could get it done. Certainly this last year, but the U's only played five games. <laughs> so, But are they sitting there right now? Is there a local kid who would be better than, I mean, Texas and clear across the country, but for Dustin's point, it's far enough away. Is there someone who can beat out the Texas kids who are, who can be a Baylor and Texas transfers now, battling for the job? Well, he hasn't taken a snap at the collegiate level, but what about the dark kid at SC? Will he end up being the best of the three this year? Because your point is, Kyle isn't isn't playing the long game right now. No. He's in win-now mode. Yeah, so I question how many players were there. Uh, How many Utah high school quarterbacks are on rosters right now? On rosters? Not in in our state. Or starting. Well, if they're starting, I'll know who they are. Well, I mean, Kyle's trying to win now, so I think Kyle would say not on the roster. I need a guy who can win now because we want to right, win but I'm, in 2021. I'm taking it a step below. Right. And but you can have a guy on your roster? roster now who's building and will be the guy who will help you win now in 2022 or 23. Yeah, but who Jackson are they? Dark. That's what I'm saying. The, I don't know of that many. How many great quarterbacks... Or in this state, I don't. I don't follow high school football to the level you do, or that Yak does. So I don't know who are these kids. I only know. I mean, I can hear of them, but unless you're going to a a big time school, I'm not sure who you are. Well, he was also going out regionally to Idaho and Arizona, and, and I, I just don't name think anybody from Idaho. I barely follow high school in, in Utah. <laughs> you're sure not following in Idaho. any in Idaho. Unless you're Taysom Hill. Unless he Hill thinks they should have gotten not, Taysom then Hill. Then I know who yeah. you are. Should you have got? Should the Utes have gotten Taysom Hill? 
I don't know that how that recruiting went or what they knew. We're going back a number of years. How early they got in on him? Oh yeah, Taysom's back to 2008. If I yeah, so that's a long time. 2008. Yeah, I mean he was just a little bit of a rep then. He was Fiesta and Sugar stuff was fresher. Yeah, but he's they're just barely getting started. Right, and 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 how do you turn down Stanford? Stanford. Well, see, well, the profile of high school recruiting in the state of Idaho has always been relatively low, so I'm not sure he was necessarily registering all that highly. At that well, point. but if Stanford is recruiting you, then you ought to be recruiting you. If sure. you're and and you're in uh, Pocatello, which is a suburb, uh, Salt Lake, <laughs> to an extent, is it not? That's a good point. It's closer here than Boise, is it not? Yes, it is. You Absolutely. Know. So, I'm, yeah. what I'm my point is, I'm including Pocatello. Close enough as to part hear. of that, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That that's if there's kids in Pocatello who are really good, you ought to know about them because that's close enough. That's and Stanford that's closer and Stanford than Dixie and Stanford knew about them and it's yeah, and and they don't have the scholarship and when he comes home and apparently he was misled according to what I had heard from basically horses' mouths, uh, so. And we know how that played out. But that's going way back. So much has changed dramatically for Utah. They're not they're in a much, much better position than now. I, I I'm gonna I hold them accountable. I don't believe that they get the best players in the state. They talk a good game, but they don't back it up. Oregon's getting them. Again and again. Well, I see. Is getting them. Uh Gustin. Messina, Tufele, Dart. I mean, your your go to is Oregon. I know that, but there's it's not just Oregon. Stanford. Uh, Stanford cleans up. Yeah, they've had a series of players. So, and and Kyle is great at the interview. You ask him a question, and he'll answer it, but at the same time, he's got the ability to dodge the point. Because you're not, you are not getting the best in the state. They'll say, "Well, it's our first priority." Okay, well, you're failing at your first priority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no one wants to follow it up and put them on the spot. Well, how come you're not succeeding at your first priority then? Now you're getting more than BYU, so there's there's that. But the top kids consistently leave. And that's I just recited SCs off the top of my head. So it goes back to your earlier point, though. Do you win enough to get away with it? That's the good thing. If you win, I nine, think they do. If you win nine or ten games, you get another contract. Yeah, he's. They have an outstanding program, right? But if you're not getting the in-state guys, and you win six or seven. Then you're where the ASU coaching staff has been under multiple coaches. And the UC Los Angeles coach and the Colorado coach uh, and the Cal coach, (laughs) basically on and on and on. Yes, I happen to think that SC, I put it a little bit above Utah, but I think the Utes are the second best program in the South. That's... The way I feel as I rank, not not an individual year. I'm not t- citing any year. I realize the Devils have beaten them more times than they've beaten, but that's not. It's not but an individual year or an individual game. It's not an individual series we're talking about because you beat one team, whoop de doo. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta beat them all. 
or beat as many of all as you can. And the Utes have been more consistent in that regard. So they are, in my mind, the second best. So Kyle has overcome, and it's not just him, it's his staff, but we recognize him uh, as great. I mean, they can go get all these kids from Texas that they want, but I still think it stings when they're getting kids who not only are from here or go someplace else and then get drafted in the NFL. That does sting. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine what it must be like in Hawaii. It just seems like it's just a given that those guys aren't going to stay. It is. Yeah. I mean, they've had multiple Heisman Trophy finalists and or winners. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I guess maybe you can understand it because they're way out there in the ocean somewhere. But I don't know the feelings. Maybe the Hawaiians there are saying, no, this sucks. And we need somebody in here who's going to close the borders and all those cliches and put up fences and walls and blah, blah, blah. I know a person <laughs> who lives in Hawaii is a big Rainbow Warrior fan who says that exact yeah. thing. We need to protect the rock, as they call it. Yeah. But what are you going to do if a kid wants to go? And they realize that they have every program around the country is going there anymore. Oh, yeah. They, they don't have power five football. They don't have money. Their star quarterback really hurt him when he said, we don't well, have soap in the showers. Okay. Well, similar to similar to Arizona, though, guys want to go try something else. They've been on that island their entire yep. life. I think there's a, a lot of uh, truth to that, and there is similarities. And let's get out of here. It's so blazing hot, and, and this team really isn't going to be a big-time winner. Either team, depending on where you are in your town, north, south, wherever you are. And so they take off. Uh, it's the it's the way of the world. The thing that you need to do is to make sure you overcome it. And I think to a great degree, the Utes have been over been able to overcome it because they go get kids from Texas or wherever, and they're really good. Brent uh, Keithy wasn't recruited by the University of Texas. He's really good tight end, and Andy Ludwig has put him in a position to succeed and utilize his skills to a high, high level. So who cares if a tight end goes to BYU or goes to SC or whoever because you've got a really good tight end, and he's coming up on exhausting his eligibility, so make sure that the kids behind him are just as good as better or better. And ultimately, I think the fans, they're fine with that. It'd be interesting to see, to me, what this NIL has. Because Covey's getting a lot of run. And I think a good degree of it is because he's a local kid. Now, he's got all sorts of charisma, too. Big time. Yeah. And so what I'm hoping is going forward, this NIL thing, I hope it, 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 it's not just for a chosen few that it's more widespread. I doubt it's going to permeate the athletic programs to every young man, young woman is going to be able to cash in. But But still, is it going to be one kid or is it going to be 12 kids? Right. It's a big difference there. And what I'm hoping is that the local kid, he or she, they do establish themselves as a sophomore, as a junior, as a senior. And then they look at it and say, hey, man, uh, financially here, I can... I can make some cash. Like the kid from Texas, that South Lake uh, Quinn Power Ewers. 
football. South Lake Carroll. Okay, he wants to go because he can't make money in high schools, but he wants to go to Ohio State. Yeah. What I'm hoping here is, hey, I got an opportunity to cash in right here because everybody knows who I am. And there's t- we've had tons of kids that have stayed. It's not like every kid is leaving by any stretch. We've had I, I look at uh, uh, Britton Covey as a sorter smaller, not less sturdier version of Reno Mahe. Yeah, there's some parallels there. Right. Reno Mahe, I moved to the area, and I hear about him playing in the local high school over there in Brighton. You got to go see this kid. And I went and saw him play. This kid's absolutely amazing, man. His feet were just unbelievable. He Nobody can get a clean shot at him. He's so fun to watch. And I follow him. Then I goes to, he goes to BYU. Well, he ends up playing in the NFL, right? He's got a ton of charisma. If he's coming out today and there's businesses and you want to promote your business, who wouldn't latch on to him, right? Well, they've just kept a couple of uh, four-star defensive guys at home, guys who could have gone to... USC, Oregon, or Stanford. And so NIL's starting. We'll see if they cash in. I just talked to Fillinger for the first time. He seems to have tons of personality. He was committed to Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, so you're, you're keeping kids at home where if you start at Utah, you're going to the NFL. If you can't keep defensive linemen at home, <laughs> who right, are you going to keep? But to your point about NIL, so is this gonna is this one of the guys that will work for? Because if it's just for one guy, it's going to be the quarterback or the right, star running right, back receiver. Right, that's one guy. Right, that's what I'm saying. So he's not playing a position where you would think it would be one guy. But he's also not playing an anonymous position. Not at all. So well, if it's playing a high-profile position right, up to you. If it's going to spread so that it's 10 or 15 guys yeah, cashing that's in. That's what I'm talking about. Then a local guy who's in the D-line who has charisma, who's willing to do interviews and get his name and face out there. That's the kind of guy it ought to work for. Yes, I'm looking more from the offensive perspective because I think that that's where every the guys defensive kid away. in the state, every state, if the Utes are recruiting you, you should consider them because it's a freaking pipeline straight to the NFL. It's like the kids, if you start for two or three years at Utah on defensive line and you don't make the NFL... I'm surprised. Okay, but Oregon and SC are getting defensive kids out of here. But you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's yeah, an NFL, are, are, NFL are, tight yeah. end and NFL receiver out of Stanford on the Cowboys roster now. And I'm hoping that that thing helps them. Yeah. That, 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 and they were able to say, hey, stay here, man. Look at, look at you know, the possibilities. So I hope it does take. I hope, I hope Britton Covey makes, uh, who's that, Bryce Young making a million dollars? I hope Britton Covey makes a million. Go get him, Britton. <laughs> you can help recruiting for the next decade. And I hope the Nakua brothers down at BYU. Crush it. Million apiece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I really do. I think it would help. And I want to see these. I want to see both programs. I want to see all three. Well, Weber State, too, for that matter. I want to see them all succeed. So then it helps that they have someone in their corner who's got the entrepreneurial spirit and knows a little bit about it. So if they're high school kids and they're blowing up, they get rolling early. Yeah. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Andy Bailey, NBA analyst, writer for Bleacher Report. How much better have the Jazz made themselves? Where do they stack up in the West? We will ask him next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Former Washington Husky receiver, new BYU Cougar receiver, Puka Nakua. Kind of walk us through the decision to come back to Utah. It's crazy how everything pretty much comes full circle uh, to be back home right here in Provo. It's something I didn't see. But uh, kind of just some family discussions and then some talk with my, obviously, Samson and we come back as zeros. So both of us have the opportunity to come back and play in front of our family in the hometown and there's nothing like playing in front of the family and the opportunity presented itself here at BYU. So it was something that we missed out on in high school and we got to play when we were younger. But my older brother, Kai and Isaiah, played against each other in high school and me and Samson played against each other. So when we had a chance to team up, I think we got to take it for sure. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Top 60 and 60 is back in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hanson Scotty announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah. As we count you down at the start of the college football season, it's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness here on the Zone Sports Network. Time to talk NBA free agency and Utah Jazz with Andy Bailey, NBA analyst and writer for Bleacher Reports. Where did the Jazz stack up in the West after all the moves? Andy joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Andy, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So the question is, where do the Jazz stack up in the West? What do you think? Well, uh, it's not going to be a real definite answer. I think it's probably the same way I've talked about the Western Conference for four or five years now. I think there are three, four, five teams. You could probably make an argument for, I think they'll finish first in the West, and I think the Jazz are still in that conversation. Um, You know, obviously they finished first in the West last season and have made a couple of moves uh, this offseason, nothing dramatic, but I do think it moves the needle a little bit. Um, I think Hassan Whiteside, if you get the 2019-20 version of him, is going to dominate second units, and I think there's a good chance you get that guy because this is this is a much more competitive team, um, to put it mildly, than the Sacramento Kings. I was, you know, when they first made that signing, I kind of thought there's almost like a Sacramento Kings tax on your career when you go there. Um, I, I don't think there's any way to, to really trust what he did last season. Um, so I think they can get the best out of him. I think Rudy Gay answers some questions for them, another you know switchable forward who can hit threes. And I think the, the one that I was you know most surprised by, the Eric Pascal trade, I think there's some upside there too. Uh, potential small ball five. I know that you know everybody think, I think in Utah realizes that was a problem for the Jazz in the playoffs. So they've got a few options now um, where they can counter those small ball lines. I think even Rudy Gay could be a small ball five at times. So I think they answered a bunch of questions. They're still going to be in the mix for the top seed in the West. They're they're a title contender still. So who do you think was more important of an acquisition, uh, Gay or Whiteside? I think uh, Gay um, because, I again, I think he is potentially a small ball five. I don't know if that's how the front office sees him. I don't know if that's how – Quinn Snyder sees him, um, but I think Whiteside, I think at best what you're going to get from him is slightly better backup center play than, than you got from Derek Favors, and that's important because basically for five or six years now, um, Utah's point differential falls off a cliff when Rudy Gobert leaves the floor. So if you can just find somebody to kind of stabilize that, that's good, and I think Whiteside can do that. 
um, what Gay does is offer some versatility, I think. He'll probably spend most of his time at the four, which is what he's done with San Antonio the last few years. Um, but again, I, I think he has the size and, and the strength now later in his career to, to counter some of those small ball lineups, and they can go two through five, really even one through five, really switchable if you have Mitchell at the one with his wingspan um, and a bunch of those, you know, interchangeable wing slash forward types like Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles, Bogdanovich, Gay. Um, if you're playing that team or that lineup against a small ball lineup for five, ten minutes, I, I think you can you can now counter that punch, which they couldn't really do last season. So you kind of hedged there with Rudy, uh, with Rudy Gay about whether – the front office sees him or Quinn really sees him as a small ball five, but isn't the answer really going to be he's going to be the small ball five sometimes and in some matchups it's going to work and in others it isn't, and it's just a question of how often it's going to work? It's not a slam dunk in either way, is it? Yeah, I think that's probably the right way to look at it. I don't I don't think you should get your hopes up too high for him as being like this dynamic Draymond Green type of small ball five. Um, but he's certainly a guy who can handle the ball a little bit on the perimeter and hit threes. And, and, you know, if you have a team like the Clippers play Nicholas Batum at the five, you're no longer flummoxed by that. I think Rudy Gay would be fine in a matchup like that. And, I again, I think another option there might be Eric Pascal. Um, I, I think if I had to handicap the race, Rudy Gay is probably more likely to get that role right now. But Pascal has shown some things with the Warriors, I, I think, that are encouraging. And I think he can do some similar sm- stuff as a small ball five. So, I think the increase in versatility this offseason for the Jazz is is really big. I don't again they didn't make a move like, you know, here's this superstar free agent and we're moving up around, but they really didn't have the flexibility to do that. So I think the moves that they made were smart and I I think they nudged the needle in the right direction. And when you were when you just finished first in the West, really all you can do is nudge the needle. I mean there's there's not a lot dramatic to do. So I think this was a good, smart, savvy offseason for them. I find it funny with all the Lakers AARP moves that we're, we're months away from playing a game, and it seems like they're already crying the nobody respects us card. And you got LeBron, and and we're underestimating them. And I heard it from LeBron. I think Dwight Howard said it. And I, I don't know that I buy it, but I also don't know that these moves really catapult them into the overwhelming favorites. So. I'm sort of somewhere in the middle, and let's wait and see how it plays out. Yeah, I think it's funny that he – I can't remember the exact wording of his tweet, but that he you know, deletes it shortly thereafter. I, I felt like they got universal praise for the moves that they made after Westbrook, not a bunch of people doubting them. And, and to the extent they were doubts, it was just people pointing out the age, which I think is fair. I, I wrote an article about them for Bleacher Report. I think it was – right after the Monk signing, maybe right before. Um, and they've gotten a bit younger since then. But at the time I wrote the article, the average age was like 32 and a half. Um, and then I went back and looked at the average age of championship teams for the last 10 years. And the only one that was over 30 was the 2012-13 heat. Um, and for the most part, there was kind of a sweet spot around 27, 28. So I think it's fair to point out their age. I, I do like their signings, like as each individual move, every time the news broke, you know, it's Wayne Ellington, it's Malik Monk. Um, you know, everyone I thought, okay, that makes sense. They needed to get shooting. That guy can shoot. Um, Kendrick Nunn, I thought was a good move. Like it, it, individually, each move made sense to me. 
when you step back and look at the roster, I think it's also true what you said, that they're not an overwhelming favorite. I, I could certainly see the argument for picking them to win it all or picking them to win the West. But I think there are still pretty real question marks about the fit between Westbrook and, and LeBron. Um, I think if you've got those two and Davis on the floor, which they will obviously have for long stretches this season, there's going to be questions about spacing and shooting. I mean, even if you put your best shoot, the other, you know, you fill those other two spots with your best shooters, um, it's still going to be a little bit cramped. So I think they've got serious questions to think about there. Obviously, like who's going to use more possessions between Westbrook and James. It'll be really interesting just generally to see how Westbrook plays. Um, so there are still a lot of questions to answer. And I think with that many questions, they are not an overwhelming favorite, just like you said. But there are no overwhelming favorites, right? The Jazz, the Suns, yeah. and the Lakers all have a shot. The Clippers and the Nuggets will have a shot if they can get their guys healthy early enough to get a chance to play together. But obviously they got key guys with knee injuries. And then how far are the Warriors bouncing back? How good is Clay after two years off? It's hard to know. But if he looks good, then they're in the mix too. So it's wide open chaos like it was this past season. Yeah. I think you broke it down perfectly there. Um, the Lakers, Suns, and Jazz are probably the closest teams to sure things. And even then you have some questions. And I think if, if we're just going to define the conversation that way, it might just be the Jazz. Um, because Chris Paul is going to be a year older, and, and I think it's fair to wonder if he's going to stay healthy at this point in his career with the nagging injuries that he had before the OKC run. Um, so that's a lingering concern for Phoenix. And then, you know, we just talked about the concerns for the Lakers with the Jazz. We we pretty much know what we're going to get from them. Um, the only question is how much of a boost do you get from Rudy Gay and, and Hassan Whiteside? And then, like you said, there are there are big concerns – with those other teams, I this may or may not be fair, but I might write the Clippers off right now. Um, with how cautious Kawhi Leonard has been with injuries in the past and the fact that this past season got started later, um, I would be surprised if he even came back for the playoffs with that torn ACL. I think Jamal Murray at best will be back right before the playoffs, maybe during the playoffs. So those teams both have major, major problems. I mean, that's the best player on the Clippers and the second best player on the Nuggets. And, and of course, Denver, they have they have that fun way that they play with Nikola Jokic, and he kind of lifts everybody around him, and I think Michael Porter Jr. will be better. But any team missing their second best player is, is going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, the Mavericks are kind of a wild card. I don't, you know, I don't think I'm ready to put them in a contender tier, but I think Doncic is going to be MVP caliber again, and so that's always something to worry about. So there, there are just Again, you could probably talk on and on six, seven, eight teams in the West that you could see, well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won a first-round series and if things break right, kind of how they did for the Suns last year. You never know you know, who ends up in the finals. How about on the other side of the bracket? Any moves catch your eye in the East? Um, I think Brooklyn got better, which is <laughs> kind of crazy because I think if they were healthy last yeah. year, it's, it's hard to believe they wouldn't have made the finals. I, I think they would have had a very strong chance to win the championship, obviously. Um, Patty Mills, I think, right. is a huge pickup for them. That's the one um, I would go to, they, yeah. Yeah, and they got some interesting guys at the back end of the first round of the draft. I think James Johnson is actually a pretty interesting pickup for them, too, in the front court. I think he can play some small ball five for them. Um, so <laughs> with the limited flexibility that they have, obviously they're paying three superstars, too. Uh, for them to kind of hit on the margins the way that they did, and especially that Patty Mills signing, I, I do think that they're 
better. I think I think it's between them and the Bucks in the East. I'm you know I don't think anybody can have great analysis on the Sixers until we know what happens with Ben Simmons. Um, but those are I think the clear contenders in the East. And, and obviously a lot of people are going to talk about Miami. I'm I'm kind of uh, mixed on their off season. I don't I don't know if they I think they'll be better, but I don't think they've pushed themselves into that Brooklyn and Milwaukee tier. So there have been four different champions in the last four years. And the last time that happened, there were five different champions in five years in the late 70s, early 80s. What are the odds that we'll just get a different champion outside of Warriors, Raptors, Lakers, Bucks? I guess we can write off the Raptors, right? But outside of Warriors, Lakers, Bucks, do we get a fifth new champion in five years? I did not know that stat, and that's that's pretty cool. I, I think that supports what we've thought about the league for a few years now, that parity is in, increasing around the league, and I think that's a good thing. Um, as stars have, have sort of been spread out throughout the NBA, I think it makes for a better product. It makes for an unpredict- more unpredictable postseason. And so I, I guess the answer to the question is I, I would say yes, um, just because you've got the field versus three, four teams, whatever it is. So um, – a lot of contenders again this year, and it's just it's fun because again, I think there's an unpredictability that makes it, you know, more enjoyable to watch these games. So as we look at it and handicapping it here months before, that there's been teams, most teams have made moves, you know, around the periphery, some within the heart of the team, and we'll see how it plays out. But particularly in the West. As we look at all these moves, and by and large, they're done. Maybe there'll be some, depending on what happens with Simmons, so there might be some still some changes. And then, of course, you could get to the trade deadline and or the buyout market, and they could add some significant points, But uh, players, I mean. But the, the point that I'm getting at is I'm wondering now, the dust is sort of settled, not completely, if it's just uh, who's healthy again, sort of like it was this past season. Yeah, I think that could be a huge part of it. I think it's, you know, that's a huge consideration every year, but it was more so last year with the condensed set schedule and the health and safety protocols and all that. And, um, a lot of prominent injuries. I know the NBA at one point said there are fewer injury, you know, fewer games missed to injury this season than last. I, I don't really know how they conducted that study, but I think it just felt like more because there's, you know, so many of the big injuries were to big name guys. Um, so that was a huge consideration last season. I, I think just law of averages, you would expect it to, to be a little bit less dramatic on that front this season. But, you know, all these teams in, in basketball, when there's only five guys on the floor, you're pretty dependent on your one or two best players. So if you if you lose a guy like that in the playoffs, and again, we saw that over and over last season. Anthony Davis goes down in the first round. Jamal Murray's out for the Nuggets. I mean, it was just, you know, one thing after another. Um that can sort of lay the path um, for the champion. And obviously the Jazz had their own issues in the playoffs too. Mike Conley missed time and Mitchell was pretty much playing on one leg. So if if you can stay healthy, um, you're in good shape. The problem if you're a team executive or a coach or whatever, there's, there's really no magic potion out there that 100% guarantees you're going to be healthy. Um, you're playing on a hardwood floor and cutting side to side and jumping and having people underneath you and there's a chance you're going to get hurt. So it's, in in a weird way, kind of a luck of the draw thing a lot of times. 
Well, Andy, as always, we appreciate a little bit of time. Thanks for coming on with us, and we will talk to you again when the season gets going. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Andy Bailey, you can read him at Bleacher Report, NBA analyst and writer for Bleacher Report. And everything he says is true, and that's why we had four different champs in four years. Plus the nature of the three-point shot. And there is a little bit of truth to live by the three, die by the three. And, you know, previous decade, if you had Shaq or Duncan, well, there's a reason they won almost every title for a decade. But it's a different deal now. You're not sure you want to buy that. You're squinting. Has there or have there been players like Shaq or Duncan in the game to where those players are available to dominate? Or is just the nature of the game led that there are no more players? If Shaq is an unusual physical specimen. Right. But Duncan... Duncan and Olajuwon weren't Shaq, but they were still unusual physical specimens. I... I think they were unusual talents, but they're unusual physical specimens. Right, talents is probably a better phrase. I'll give you that. But so, they were unusual talents, but they were also just, you know, they were, it's just, in that era, it was better to be 6'10 or 7 feet and super skilled than it was to be 6'3 and super skilled. Okay, Jordan, but, Jordan <laughs> at 6'6 six, six is just off the charts that he did what he did. But we got it's, it's Magic and Bird, and it's Jordan, and it's Shaq. And it's uh, Duncan, and, and you're counting for most of the titles, so we're getting all these repeat winners. Why have we had four different champs in four years? Well, partly the nature of shooting, the three so important, and with everyone running and cutting and jumping, like he says, there's more injuries. How, how do Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson both go down when it looked like the Warriors are going to win and that they should win and they should three-peat, and they both go down and the Raptors win? So in, injuries are part of this, a different style of the game, enables guys of different shapes and sizes to win as opposed to, hey, if you get the biggest, baddest guy, you're in the mix. Okay, but didn't Antetokounmpo, isn't he the biggest, baddest guy? Yeah, and will he repeat? So will that work? Right, but... My, or no, or my, there's enough seven-foot athletes now that there isn't one or two the way there were at, with Jack and Duncan. Well, that's because, my point. Because... The Nets could win and be the fifth team in five years, and Durant's a little different, granted, but they're both seven-foot guys who are just wildly gifted offensively. Isn't Yanni this version of Duncan? Uh, even more athletic and ball handler. I mean, there's big fundamental, but this version of the big man who can do a lot of of different things. I think of Giannis more as Durant and Nowitzki. Except he can't shoot a lick from the outside. Those guys can. <laughs> Whereas Duncan right. wasn't taking threes. Yeah. But he moves more like them. Whereas Duncan moved more like a big guy. Giannis is explosive. I didn't think Duncan was explosive. Mm. So I guess that's why. But you're right. Giannis, he has to be explosive to jump over you because you don't fear him on the three-point line. I mean, he'll hit a few, but you'll live with it. So I, I, my point is, if you have a wildly talented big man, he's got a place. Yeah, does Jokic count as a wildly talented big man? Absolutely. Right. But he's more the Duncan, I think. Now, he shoots it further out than Duncan did, but he's not explosive. I view him more than Nowitzki. Yeah, but Magic and Bird weren't explosive. explosive. No, I agree. I agree. Just find ways to win. You don't have to be necessarily this incredible freakish athlete to win. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Are there more guys? I was about done, but let's go. Are there more guys because... 
of the foreign player. There are just there are more guys because there are literally more guys. You answered your own question. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The general manager for the Utah Jazz, Justin Zanuck. Is it safe to say that you are going to make re-signing Mike Conley a priority? Certainly we value Mike and what he's meant to our team. Obviously I can't comment on how things will roll out. However, we do have a plan in place. We love him. Each move that you guys see that comes out, whether it's a draft pick, a trade, a signing, I know there's this urge to have like a hot take, but evaluating those in a silo is tough. In a couple weeks, you look back and look at it in its entirety of what we needed to do and what we were able to execute on. I think the bigger picture becomes more clear. That picture is not completed yet with a few more stages we have to go here. We have a plan, and hopefully we'll get it done. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. There is the Chevy play of the game. You know what? Today, 450, C.J. Crone, former youth. Two homers for the Rockies, seven ribbies, a grand slam. Had it going on. Apparently, Another Phoenix kid who leaves. A club, Jeez. Apparently a club record, three grandies in a year. So It's not grandies, it's grannies. Oh, I said granny. No, it's granny. Okay. Like grandma. <laughs> granny. Grandma. <laughs> Deep and gone. All right, so note today, 450 on the big show, you can win fabulous prizes. Ryan Thorburn, Oregon Ducks beat writer for the Register Guard in Eugene, Oregon, is going to join us coming up next. You should put uh, the ASU news because uh, they play. Gosh, they play three teams in state. I was going to say, we've got a very <laughs> got a busy chance. season with ASU this year. They got a shot at the state title. Well, not anymore. <laughs> they have two more assistants placed on administrative leave as the NCAA investigation into the recruiting practices continues. So them cheating fools are down to three guys out. Tight end coach, receiver coach, DB coach. All those guys, I believe, are in their 20s, which is why they were, they were hired to recruit. I like the theory, get recruits. Because we've had multiple coaches tell us, I can handle the coaching along with my coordinators. coordinators. Mo- multiple big-time coaches. The position guys need to be yeah. able to recruit at a high level. And it takes a lot of energy. The travel is grueling. The number of high schools they go to when they're on a quote-unquote trip to a city, and you got to be on your game, high energy at everyone. Recruiting is like 85-90% of the game. If you pick the best team, you will win. Yeah, and that, evaluating is a right. part of recruiting. And projecting. And yes. that's all. That, I put that all in the recruiting umbrella. So they went and got guys who had virtually zero experience and as, a, as position coaches and got them to recruit and got them to cheat. And they're in a whole heck of a lot of trouble. So the question is, did all those guys under pressure go do this or yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. they were all directed to do it? Well, what's the difference? Uh, the difference is whether they're going to go after somebody who's more experienced and a bigger name. A.K.A. Antonio well, Pierce. Well, Pierce is the only... But I mean, he's... Is well, he, and then Herm. I was going to say, Herm's the, the ultimate big fish. Yeah, but I don't think Herm's long-term anyway. 
So it doesn't really matter there. And really, just this season is what we're talking about. How much does this erode or decay the program this season? Because if you lose to the, if the BYU loses to ASU this year, what do they care what happens? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Utah is a different story because they have to play them every year. Right. I understand that. But so we're the talking the state about, of the program yeah, matters. How much impact does it have this season? Because I don't, I don't think Herm's going to be there in four years anyway. So it doesn't really matter from, from Herm's perspective uh, there. But Pierce was thought to be as a six, uh, coach in waiting the way Scali is here at Utah. So how much turmoil will there be between now and September 18th? Well, I have a text wanting to know if I am willing to coach the running backs. <laughs> <laughs> he was really impressed with your football knowledge at Pac-12 Media Day. <laughs> I mean, we're starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel. And I have no experience coaching, so I had as much coaching experience but as the you, guys they hired. you can recruit. I might be able to land some Corner Canyon kids. <laughs> 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 so maybe I can help out the program. Nice. There you go. <laughs> Open that Utah pipeline to ASU. Yeah, uh, Corner Canyon's quarterback. Is that another Arizona kid who didn't stay at home? Is he from Arizona? I thought it's Cali. I thought it was California. Oh, he's a California kid. Double check. Okay, I thought and, it was California. I knew they had a move in. He's a USC commit. I believe he's from California, though. But they got this kid now. He's uh, this Hagen kid. He's going to be a senior this Cody year. Cody Hagen, correct. And he's supposed to be all that. Yeah, he's right? got offers from everywhere. And so, uh, while I'm talking to David Shaw, I get a text that says Hagen is going. Was, was that the text that you showed Shaw? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, were you listening? I was yeah. producing it that Oh, point. yeah. I, so I get a text that says, Hagen's going to Stanford. So I said, Coach, I got to show you this text that I just got. I know you can't comment, but I want to show it to you. And I show it to him, and he just smiles. Good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so when is it? You say it doesn't matter to BYU going forward. There ought to be another game. When does okay, BYU go to game. ASU? Well, it was supposed to be last year, so I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. and it didn't happen, and so now they got to yeah. figure out where to slot it. Okay, yeah. so it really doesn't matter because they will slot it far enough out. Herm won't be there anyway. I don't think so. No. Right. Yeah. Well, the next couple schedules. I guess you could right. always buy your way out and move other games around. Yeah. Didn't Notre Dame do that one year to move a Michigan or move a game in front of Michigan or something? And they. they Ended up giving like Notre Nevada ended up in San Diego State ended up getting games at South Bend out of it something along those lines yeah, yeah I think it involved BYU mm-hmm. and they came out here and lost to BYU they did yeah all right DJ and PK it's ninety seven five at twelve eighty the zone Ryan Thorburn Oregon Ducks beat writer for the Register Garden Eugene Oregon next stay with us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. We're joined now by Ryan Thorburn. He covers the Oregon Ducks. He's the beat writer for the Register Guard in Eugene, Oregon. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property. Concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at Smart Rain. Net. Ryan, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So I guess the first question right out of the gate is the Ducks and the playoff talk, is it too much hype or can they pull this off? 
I don't think it's too much hype just in the sense that Mario Cristobal has stacked together three top ten recruiting classes, and they have uh, a list of key super seniors back, so they have the experience, they have the talent, they have depth at every position. Uh, obviously, winning at Ohio State is something that the Pac-12 could really use for the Ducks to go ahead and do that and get in the mix from the get That's a really a tall task when you look at you know Ohio State stacked together you know, top five recruiting classes for years and years. So, uh, you know, I, I don't see that happening in terms of beating Ohio State in the horseshoe, but they do have the talent in place to give it a run for sure. So we heard uh, after Friday's practice that Cristobal addressed the suspensions of safety uh, Jamal Hill and DJ James. Apparently they were shooting airsoft guns at people from a car. Uh, I don't know what that's about, uh, but what type of penalty is, in terms of duration, is that going to be? Yeah, obviously uh, really a bad start to to fall camp. That actually happened, uh, that incident happens hours after their media day on Tuesday. It happened late Tuesday night. So both those players are projected starters and both are suspended indefinitely. I'd be surprised if... They're in the Ohio State game. I mean, those are that's a pretty bonehead thing to do. It's pretty serious. You know, one person is allegedly hit in the face. You know, I don't know a lot about airsoft guns other than they kind of look like a real gun, and it's probably like a modern-day BB gun. So uh, not the way you want to start camp. You know, as I mentioned, I think D.J. James, who had two interceptions in the Pac-12 championship game, is one of their top five most talented players. He played the nickel replaced Javon Holland, who's an NFL player now, seamlessly. And uh, Ohio State has the best wide receiving core in the nation. So really an ominous start. Oregon has depth, like I mentioned, and they have young guys behind them that are, you know, touted guys. But that's definitely a hit to lose two starters right off the bat. And we'll see what that suspension ends up being once, you know, they're arraigned and and the severity of the charges are, you know, either reduced or, or as they are now. So, PK was a writer for the Salt Lake Tribune for a long time, beat writer, and but covered different teams at Utah and BYU, football and basketball. And some of the teams there were sometimes problems behind the scenes. I guess loosely they'd be called discipline issues, but some of them were even bigger than that. Is this a team, because you're there and you're in Eugene, you're not in Portland trying to cover the team, but you're in Eugene, is this like a one-off and, and way out of character for this team? Or is there a chance that stuff could happen like this down the road that, you know, it's a little loose behind the scenes? What's your perception of it? Yeah, I mean, you never know when you have 118 guys or whatever they have at camp. You know, the odds are there's going to be one or two that, that mess up. I mean, if you were just sample 100 random college students, that's going to happen. Um, these are young people that do dumb things, but I don't sense that there's any discipline issues overall in, in the team. I think you sense that in 2016, Helfrich's last team did not have good chemistry. They had a bunch of off-the-stuff and once the off-the-field stuff, and once the season started going south, you could feel like there was just no hope of pulling out of it. I think this is a one-off, like you said. And, uh, you know, definitely a serious incident and definitely something that's going to impact the defense. But, you know, I think Mario Cristobal has a pretty tight grasp on what's going on in the program. 
Yeah, I think it's a blow, but when you got guys like Wright and McKinley back there defensively, and then you've got somebody by the name of uh, Thibodeau in quarterbacks' faces virtually every play, I don't know if it's a fatal blow. And, and a strong linebacking core there, and I can argue, you talked about Ohio State having the best receiving, and I can argue that the linebacking core to Oregon, which includes one of our local guys here, Sewell, that they're going to be fine defensively. Yeah, and and on the flip side, you know, Ohio State has four, you know, elite recruits, but they haven't thrown a pass in college yet. The winner of that will have one game under his belt, and Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be putting a lot of pressure on that person. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Noah Sewell, an inside linebacker, a five-star recruit. Now his buddy Justin Flo, who missed last year with a, a knee injury is probably going to be alongside him, another five-star recruit. Um, those two are among the top recruits Oregon's ever had behind Thibodeau. So their front seven should be really good. Mikhail Wright is a shutdown cornerback, and Ron McKinley is one of the smartest safeties. And, and these uh, two recruiting classes that haven't really played much football, it's like they have a, one giant freshman class, you know, with last year being so strange. Um, including a, a five-star cornerback, uh, Dante Manning. You know, talent is not the issue, and Tim DeRuiter has a history of improving defenses, so they should be better than they were last year on defense. So at quarterback, they're going to rely on a transfer who has had two knee injuries that have uh, ended seasons. Um, what are the reviews on Anthony Brown when you're close to the program? Yeah, I think Anthony Brown is is the wild card in all of this. You know, I think whether they're a playoff caliber team or a Pac-12 championship team or a disappointment is going to come down to how Anthony Brown plays. They're not going to ask him to to carry the water. He's just got to manage things. But he's a a sixth-year senior, Boston College transfer, who, you know, wasn't really able to get in the mix last camp because he was not in the program during the spring and then everything was shut down and, Pac-12 was so limited in practice that Tyler Shuck, you know, held on to that off of four spring practices and limited uh, fall camp. So Tyler Shuck has transferred to Texas Tech. Um, I wouldn't say that Anthony Brown is a better quarterback than Tyler Shuck, but he could be a better fit for what Joe Moorhead does with his system. How about Ty Thompson in that quarterback race? Because I think that he might be the most talented of the three, including Butterfield. There's no question that, you know, he's a guy that fans are, are really excited about. Uh, one of the highest recruited quarterbacks, if not the highest recruited quarterback they've ever had. Um, he was in during spring, which helps. He looked, you know, obviously to be several steps behind Brown and even behind uh, their 2020 quarterbacks, uh, Robbie Ashford and Jay Butterfield. But, you know, it's only a matter of time until uh, a player of that caliber either wins the job or transfers in today's day and age. So uh, it would be interesting if Anthony Brown were to perform you know, poorly and, and be the reason they didn't beat Ohio State. The next week they have Stony Brook. Do you throw one of the young guys in there and just go with the future? Uh, that'll be uh, an interesting situation for sure. So do they just need average quarterback play because the wide receivers are so good? I mean, you got a 6'5 target just – don't screw this up. He's 6'5". It's a pretty big catch radius for Devin Williams. Yeah, I don't think it's just about the quarterback because, you know, some of these receivers and running backs, you know, Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red, 
Micah Pittman. Uh, they, a lot of them have been around, and the running backs too, C.J. Riddell and Dye, they've been around, and they're the same guys that Justin Herbert was working with. And, you know, now you hear the NFL scouts saying, well, Herbert didn't have any NFL guys that he was working with at skill positions. That's one reason he was maybe downgraded coming out. So they have a lot of the same guys. So I think it is a, how many of these true freshmen that look like more of the NFL type of prospects can supplant these seniors and, and have an impact on the team. I think that'll be key. We saw, you know, a couple of these wide receivers just show out in the spring game. It'll be really interesting to see if they – can mix and match the experience with the, the young talent, which is, you know, a, a higher quality of athlete. You think Washington is the toughest competition in the North? Yeah, I think Washington clearly is, is the toughest team in the North besides Oregon. That game's in Seattle. Um, that's the thing about Oregon as far as the playoff that makes it tough is all of their marquee games are on the road. When you look at Ohio State, Washington, UCLA against Chip Kelly, and then Utah. You know, there's there's just it's hard to imagine them not stubbing their toe once or twice there. So uh, that rivalry is obviously going to be spiced up even more than normal with Washington not being able to play the game last year and uh, forfeiting the North Division title or at least the Pac-12 championship game entry to their rivalry because of COVID. So. Uh, I, I don't think either team uh, is happy with the other the way 2020 played out. Come on, those two teams are never happy with each other. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, I think the Pac-12 needs to root for any team, whether they hate them or not, to make the playoff. But, yeah, for sure, uh, that Husky uh, rivalry is going to be interesting with Jimmy Lake. You know, he, he's a guy who brings it on defense and is trying to – upgrade their recruiting, and Mario Cristobal uh, recruits every day of the year at a high level, so it should be good for years to come. How much do you think the teams that miss teams on the schedule is going to factor into Pac-12 race? Because you've got Oregon missing ASU and SC, so that's the first and third teams in the South. Then you got Washington, or excuse me, you got SC misses Oregon and Washington, who's first and second projected anyway. So I'm wondering, man, if the schedule maker, the way it just plays out as in the rotation, could end up having a fair amount of impact. Yeah, on paper, I think that's why Oregon and USC are picked again, is you know they don't play each other during the regular season, and they miss some of the other powers from the the other opposite division so you know on paper i get that i just think you know you just never know i think chip kelly's gonna have something to say about oregon as well um they have to go down to la to play them and uh even though utah has to play oregon it's at home in november that could be uh you know that could swing the thing where it could be utah washington instead of oregon sc just if the utah is able to beat oregon so you just never know but um, yeah, on paper, you know, I voted Oregon USC because that's I look at the schedules as much as anything else. Ryan Thorburn joining us, Oregon Ducks beat writer for the Register Guard in Eugene, Oregon. With the Oklahoma Texas announcement, there's been plenty of speculation about super conferences. Who else does the SEC want to add? Is the Big Ten going to try to take the top teams out of the Pac-12? How serious is that talk in in Eugene, and how would Oregon officials receive any of that? 
Well, right now, Rob Mullins is trying to, you know, I think his stance is that it's very early in, in George K. Um, I haven't mastered the last name yet, the new Pac-12 commissioner's <laughs> tenure. And, you know, the timing of that, you know, they're trying to just get on the same page with the new Pac-12 commissioner right now. And and I think if all 12 teams are on the same page, I don't see any way they're going to add any of these hateful eight, big eight leftovers. I don't think they add anything to the conference, really. So it's a matter of, I think what we're seeing nationwide is it's all about the big brands and are the big brands happy. So I think if USC is on board with the Pac-12, things are going to be okay. If they want to go independent or maybe join the Big Ten, then then we've, there's a problem out on the West Coast. So uh, I think the key over the next few years as this thing unfolds is, you know, what's best for USC and to a lesser degree Oregon as a national brand also. Well, Ryan, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and we'll look forward to that uh, Utah-Oregon game uh, in November. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks, guys. Ryan Thorburn, Oregon Ducks beat writer for the Register Guard in Eugene, Oregon. You think it comes down to the schedule? You hate schedule talk, but this is too big to ignore. Potentially, right now, anyway. Utah's missing Washington and Cal, so it's not like the Utes are missing... Missing, uh, you know, the fourth and fifth or fifth and sixth best teams in the division. Right. And so it may not matter. Right. Uh, but I think it's significant that Oregon misses SC. And then SC misses the numbers one and two teams I projected? I know. I mean, that... Was Cal three or four? I think there were four. Was Stanford okay. three? Yeah. I had to double check that. Yeah, I think Stanford was three. Um, but... Yeah, that's just weird. And I would hate to have it come to that. But I think in this case, with SC missing both of these teams... SC would say, well, this is what it came to two years know, ago. The youths didn't play Oregon. I got it. I yeah. understand that. I don't, you can Welcome just go to back these 12 forth. team leagues, right? Yeah. At 10, where yeah. you could play nine games, one true champion, as the Big Ten said, and literally nobody is sticking with that. Which is why <laughs> I would pick... Play all 11. That'd be awesome. And then... Basketball's inching towards all 22, right? They're supposed to go to 20 this year. Which I think is dumb not to just go two more. Especially in basketball. There's two non-conference games that can be sacrificed. (laughs) I haven't looked at all your schedules, but I bet I can find them. If you're playing Texas Southern, you can play a pack. Right, exactly. Like I said, I haven't seen the schedule, but I'll bet I can figure them out. I just know that BYU has Texas Southern on there, so I'm assuming they're coming here and playing somebody else instead. And you look at it, especially for basketball, because they need as much early season buzz as they can get. Because it's sort of lost with everything that's going on in NFL and college. Because football is so big. Yeah, Yeah, just... Swallows it's, it up, right? And so, if you play a conference game, conference, you give yourself a chance. G- yeah, it, we it might be, not make a splash, but you give yourself a chance, right? But then, when you get to the first week of March, there is a sense of equity. In Everybody that. had two shots at each other, yeah. And all these conference tournament games are the third matchup, and are particularly there when you you would play everyone home and away. See, the SEC went to ten games. Now they're also going to sixteen teams. But I thought it worked. I thought that was an exciting SEC season. I know it was a weird year and everybody wasn't playing and NFL games were ending up on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And all. But the SEC playing 10 games, I thought that was good. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know that they want to continue that. But they don't. This could end up being a significant advantage for SC. Now, Utah, I mean, you go tell Winningham this, he's going to slap you in the face. Get that crap out of here. Yeah. Because that's just an excuse. It go is win your is. bowl games. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who's playing whom, who's not playing whom, none of that stuff. You go win your games. And you don't have to worry about anything, right? You can, right now, literally every team controls its destiny as that cliche goes. And so you have that opportunity. And in the end, you're right. Well, this year it's this. Last year it was that. Not last year, but the year before or whatever. And in the coming years, you could be at an advantage. So right. all that stuff is a bunch of blah, blah, blah. But just specifically this year, as it turns out, SC is missing both the team, and I think it's either going to be one of those two. I actually went with Washington ahead of Oregon myself. Um, I just felt like they had more experience that I could count well, on. Well, it's not outrageous that Cal ends up third and Washington ends up first. And the Utes could be missing two of the top three. Now, it may not work out that way. They might end up second except, and fourth. Yeah, except they're not, and that's good. I mean, it's all on paper right now anyway. Right. But they're competing with SC. Yep. I don't think they're competing with the teams below them. Now, sure, as I'm sitting here, somebody from the below them in a preseason might get them. Because so, your theory, that yeah, there's always yeah, five shockers yeah. in the league. So, it, Is it three or five? It's not five, it's three. It's three. Three head scratchers. two or three. Two or three head scratchers yeah. in the league. Yeah. So that could be one of the head scratchers. Right. You never know. Chip Kelly's team with an experienced quarterback could get the Utes this year. Maybe, maybe so. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. But it just strikes you right now. It's certainly minimally right now a talking point. Maybe well, it, we just proved when that. we get to end of November, maybe it isn't a talking point. You know <laughs> we, what I mean? We just proved it's a talking point. Because if SC turns around and loses to somebody else that we didn't anticipate, Arizona. Arizona gave him a whale of a game last year for some reason that I don't understand. Right? That crappy Arizona team. Uh, so maybe they beat him this year. Who knows? Who knows what's going right. to happen? And Colorado's somewhat of a dark horse. So all sorts of stuff can happen. All right, DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone. When we come back, everything you missed in this show will get you up to speed next. Andy Bailey analyzing the NBA, the uh, playoff race in the West after all the free agent moves. Your reaction to jazz guys, Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles, winning silver and bronze in the Olympics? Or the U.S. Gold. What excited you more? And we'll do all that next. Stay with us. The 2021 induction class wants to thank those previous inductees who gave long-winded acceptance speeches, forcing us to have a whopping six minutes to recap our football careers. I want to give a special thanks to my old rival, Ray Lewis, for being here tonight. Ray just finished giving his speech that he started in 2018. Hall of Fame. Class of 2020 goes in Saturday. 2021 goes in Sunday. That's Peyton Manning making jokes in his six minutes. Six minutes seems awfully short. It does. Especially for an accomplished performer like Peyton Manning. So give him ten minutes and the rest of you guys get six. You didn't take the same same classes that he took at Tennessee. And we've just we've seen him on he, Saturday he did in Night high Live. School. He's better. He we've, was in plays in high, high school. school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's used yeah. to being in front of the camera, so to speak. If you crush it on Saturday Night Live, you get a little more wiggle room. John Lynch, I saw some of his. Uh 
and he, John Lynch, wow, what a guy. I mean, he went to Stanford to play baseball and football. Uh, I, I interviewed him once and when he was a player uh, in Tampa, and you could tell, wow, I mean, this guy, he's got it all. He's got it all. And I saw his, his little thing. He did a little tribute to Herm Edwards, who was in the crowd, and he said, Herm, we made it. Because he said Herm was the guy who told him, you can be there. You can have the bust. Herm likes to talk like that. Leave it on the grass. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he does. Know. All that type of hocus pocus or hokey stuff, whatever you call it. And so all that kind of stuff that got him to ESPN and got him yeah. to the Arizona State job. You can you can have a bus. Not you could be in a hall, but you can have the bus. You can have the bronze bus. That's how know? San Diego State guys are. Uh, so he uh, he referenced him, and then Herm gave him a we and and John said we did it. But yeah, I think six minutes is a little on the short side. It's only been a recent thing that they've limited these speeches because they used to have guys go twenty minutes. I remember Michael Irvin was going for well on 20 minutes before he finished up. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Settle in. If you're sitting, if you're sitting at home in the air conditioning. <laughs> sure. As opposed to sweltering on a hot, humid yeah, Ohio day. It, <laughs> I, I, I'm with PK. Why would you limit it to just six minutes? Ray Lewis, I would give two. <laughs> Speaking of people who can get wound up and he don't get, the he don't get through one. He'd only get through one analogy before he, two minutes. Because he tries to act like every word he says is profound. And, like, uh, and some guys ramble. I remember one time uh, TNT had Barkley and they brought in uh, Howard, Dwight Howard on the set. And Barkley was trying to provide him with counsel. And it just, go do it off the air. <laughs> it it didn't, didn't really work. But some guys can be very, they, they're just so eloquent and they know how to express themselves to, to the highest degree. And I remember that Michael Irvin speech and it was really good. Utah Jazz made it official over the weekend. They have re-signed Mike Conley. And they have signed Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside and traded for Eric Pascal from the Golden State Warriors. NBA rules allowed them to send out releases and notify everyone. Media availability is coming up today, 1, 1 1.32, and 3 o'clock. Well, that's great that they had them, you know, because it was official Friday, so you're probably not going to do it on the weekend. So bring them in here Monday. Uh, Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gay, I want to hear what they have to say. I mean, Mike, I just assumed Mike was going to come back. There was no way he was going to endure the trauma having to drive another route to a different arena. Okay, he didn't say that. <laughs> That's other people. <laughs> Who are you? Other people you enjoy tweaking. <laughs> well, I'm sounding kind of sarcastic, Herm Edwards. <laughs> but the combination of yeah. how good a shot do you have at winning the title, and how much money you're going to make, and you look at those two things, and both those boxes get checked pretty well for the Jazz. So he was coming back. I don't know what their GPAs and their test scores are, but I'd have to imagine Mike Conley was well into the top half, if not the top 10% of NBA players. Uh, so he's got enough brains to realize this situation is plenty good enough. This is where I belong right now. So I always thought that that was going to happen for sure. So I, don't, I, I, I pretty much know, I think we all know what Mike is going to say. Today. That's true. Yeah. But I want to hear what Gay and, and Whiteside have to say. Hassan Whiteside, how are you so good? 
How did you disappear? Dominant, Dominant yeah. man. How did you so completely, and, and I get it, Sacramento. Why'd you suck in Sacramento? Team. Get to the point. <laughs> Who's going to answer that? <laughs> how did you drop so completely well, off the radar? phrase it. What was going on in Sacramento that statistically no. didn't match what you did other places? No, essentially, why did you suck? No, no, just say, why did you suck in yeah, Sacramento? But no one's going to say that, and I don't blame them. I wouldn't say it either. But you can phrase it in... Welcome to town. Why did you suck last year? <laughs> you only played 31 games for those yeah, guys. Yeah, when you why? were really but see, I think good. That's what you have to... That's the stuff you want to dive into and why you need to... Aside from Compared the to what, yes, cannonballing yeah. into the deep end of the pool by saying, why did you suck? So why just spraying everyone on the deck. Yeah, so why 31 games? Yeah, you can just, just say, well, Sacramento sucks. You ever tried playing with them? <laughs> and then let him say it, yeah. Yeah, they're a mess. Whereas here, I'm coming in. They tell me my vision. They gave me. They gave me their vision of what I can be here is and he, what I will be. Does he have injuries we don't know about? Is he carrying something? How many minutes can he play? Well, I'm, I'm assuming the Jazz have researched that to yeah. the nth degree. NBA teams get doctors and get MRIs that the rest of us don't have. So they, they've got to have all that information here. I'm excited. I mean, they, I don't know that they've had a player that they've brought in with this kind of credential who wasn't done. I mean, they brought in Danny Manning, who was a great player, but obviously he was ravaged by injuries. Right. Uh, Joe, Johnson Joe Johnson clearly was at the end. Now, he what he gave you what he could give you, but well, Whiteside... Playoff series. Yeah, and he, yeah, you'd take that every time. But he, everyone knew you weren't getting the Joe Johnson of prior years. Whiteside, what are you getting? Like with Gay, you're not going to get the premium Rudy Gay, but you don't need the premium Rudy Gay because you got the premium Donovan Mitchell and so forth. So I believe Gay will come in and be a significant addition. The Whiteside thing has got me the most intrigued. Where is this guy at on the timeline of his NBA career. How much fuel is there in the fact that maybe he didn't play that well, or I don't even know, I can't even know that I can say that. I wasn't following at all what was going on to where he still has actually a lot left, and this is going to be one heck of a signing. I mean, who thought Royce O'Neal would be what he was or is? Nobody. At least, well, maybe they did, but Joe Blow Me didn't, and so he's a critical component. You know, what can Whiteside give you because he, he can get anywhere near what he gave Miami, you're getting a great player. Whiteside just turned 32. He'll be 33 during the NBA Finals next year. That is so an he'll age. Be playing. That is an age where yeah, if you're that'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> that's an age where you can still be, if not prime you, you can be 85, 90 percent of prime you. But it's also an age where you can fall off the table and 50 percent of you. So the thing is, as much as we want to quiz him on this, what is he going to say? Now, he might tell us about, hey, I couldn't talk about it at the time, but I had this happen earlier in the season, and I'm a vet, and, you know, they decided at some point, hey, we got to play young guys. It just wasn't a good fit, me being a vet and them being a young team. Maybe it's that simple. Maybe it is. Yeah, I don't know. Or... Or maybe the skills are just eroding. I mean, guys do take hits at 32 and 33. Yeah, they do. No, there's no question. The good thing is you're not asking him. You don't necessarily need him to be like Rudy Gay, prime Rudy Gay. You're, it, because if you're getting prime both of those guys, well, you're not getting them because they're going to command more money. And Gay, to me, it's obvious. Okay, older dude wants to win. 
coming to a winning situation. His skill set is one that they need. He can contribute, contribute to a winning situation. I would think at his age, what's he, 35, mm-hmm. he's not interested in any nonsense here. He's, inter- he's interested yeah, he's in coming coming. in with all sorts of stability, and he just screams that type of player. I'm going to come in here and play ball. You know what I'm going to give you, and they know what I'm going to give you. And so let's get this thing done and see what we can do. That To me, that seems obvious. Well, I think it's really obvious based on his career. I mean, he just spent four years in San Antonio. Right, and they're in a rebuild. Right. Jazz aren't in a rebuild. San Antonio doesn't need but a 35-year-old. But he's played four years in a pretty structured system. He's coming to a, a team that's been built in the San Antonio mold. He knows what he's getting into. So I think to your point, it's really obvious how this happened with Rudy Gay. Right. You know? Now, Rudy Gay could also maybe just put his hand in front of that mic and handle it for a song White saying, hey, <laughs> I was in Sacramento. Let me tell you how it is. I don't think he Because he was. He won't be talking at the same time. No, he won't. It'll be the Zoom era. It's all different. They're all not up there. Right. At, in, but he did uh, three and a half years in Sacramento, so. He served? <laughs> <laughs> that was his penalty? He paid his price to society? <laughs> and before that, he was with Mike in Memphis, right? So... There's all, all sorts of ties here. Yeah. The Jazz are Spurs light. Conley was, uh, was a teammate. They overlapped. I prefer to look at as a Spurs malt. Explain. Well, malt's a little stronger. Oh. You went light. Okay. I'm going more. I see what you're getting at. Yeah. All right. Well, those press conferences are coming up today. Media availabilities. 1, 1 2, 3 o'clock. So all afternoon here on the Zone. That sounds Sports like Network. that song, uh, "Rock Around the Clock." <laughs> <laughs> when the clock strikes two, we'll have Rudy Gay. Hey, hey, what do you say? When the clock strikes four, <laughs> we had Andy Bailey on NBA we'll analyst be and writer. Done. Won't be asking no more. NBA uh, analyst <laughs> and writer for Bleacher Report, <laughs> Lakers. Nobody wants to hear the Lakers. Nobody respect us. Literally, nobody, nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> but that's what they're running around saying. You had major injuries or you had a legit chance of repeating as NBA champs. You guys are the ones who turn the roster upside down every year. But you're contenders every year. Because it's you guys at the top. No, especially the one guy. Especially the one guy, right. So, just stop it with that. But Lakers, Suns, Jazz... You know how people are. I know. Lakers, Suns, Jazz all have their shot. Clippers and Nuggets would be in that category if they didn't both have star players with major knee injuries. But when they get their health back, they probably go back into that category. Do you think the Warriors can make that leap? I mean, Steph Curry yes. looked awesome. Yes. yes, I do. Clay Thompson's been out two years. What's he going to look like when he comes back? That's a long time to He's not play high-level basketball. He's going to have a jump shot. <laughs> because I saw Jeff Hornacek in his 50s. <laughs> With a pure jump shot. Give a shooting demonstration. Can he, can he do everything else? Clay Thompson. He's pretty athletic. Yeah, but see, Clay Thompson is, is much younger. Hornacek was older, obviously, when he had to quit. But the shooting has never gone away. Never, ever. He put. They had him do a little shooting drill, what they were going to uh have you do, and he went five for five, and he was sheepish on the fifth one. 
as it hit nothing but net. <laughs> yeah. And like the guy was born to do this. Clay Thompson is born to hit jump shots. So I'm expecting him to be fine. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm expecting Clay Thompson to be fine. So I'm expecting the Warriors to be cracking around the 50 win mark. When we come back, your feedback. Gold medal for USA men's basketball, but silver for Rudy Gobert in France. Bronze for Joe Ingles in Australia. Which made you happier? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Former Washington Husky receiver, new BYU Cougar receiver, Puka Nakua. Kind of walk us through the decision to come back to Utah. It's crazy how everything pretty much comes full circle. And to be back home right here in Provo, it's something I didn't see. But uh, kind of just some family discussions and then some talk with my, obviously, Samson. And we come back as a duo. So both of us have the opportunity to come back and play in front of our family in the hometown. And there's nothing like playing in front of the family and the opportunity presented itself here at BYU so it was something that we missed out on in high school and we got to play when we were younger but my older brother Kai and Isaiah played against each other in high school and me and Samson played against each other so when we had a chance to team up I think we got to take it for sure. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Ochre Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription prescription blister packs free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. That's Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Are you happier for Joe Ingles finally winning an Olympic medal or the U.S. men's basketball team winning the gold again? You gave them a choice. You didn't push them in one direction or the other. Yeah, it was still somewhat loaded. I 56 people have liked it. I liked what uh, Damian Lillard said. It's joy and relief, but let's not overlook the fact that there's some relief. Oh, yeah. Because that's what happens when you're the prohibitive. Yes. There really isn't, like, you Australia, the good thing about Australia, it was pure joy. I think in their hearts they expected to do it. But it wasn't like there was this overwhelming amount of pressure on them. Uh, and The U.S. is the favorite. The U.S. Yeah. has the pressure. It, we own this sport. We just do. And it's not like some of these other sports. Like baseball, they lost to Japan. Well, I don't know about who's going from Japan, but I know there's no major leaguers. The major league, yeah. <laughs> this isn't the NHL. They don't. Yeah. The NHL hits pause during the Olympics. And all of the best Olympic players go over and compete for their country. Right. And baseball really can't do that because it's an outdoor sport largely. And you get into October and a lot of these big money teams are in the Northeast. And who wants to the see? The weather starts getting awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I like Jerry Colangelo's idea to have a baseball classic and go play the World Series at one location in a warm weather spot. But I don't think it'll ever happen. I don't either. Nobody wants to give up those home games. I know. But it's a nice idea. And they take the weather out of it, uh, so they can't stop. But basketball, it's off season, um, and I, and, you know, I actually think that in three years you'll see a rejuvenation, and we'll get closer so, to the top players. There were a lot of injuries, and if that happens, then the U.S. is in a great spot. 
Because the, the two lessons, and you hate it when I bring up 04 and they didn't win, and we got this debate about whether they're ever going to lose again. They're not. There's two lessons. They're not. And if they let them go, then they'll lose again. But get your best players and have them play together more than one summer. Because in addition to the talk about relief, there's stories about Drew Holiday getting used to the ball, which has a different feel. And yeah, but he didn't need it. As it turned out. <laughs> they don't but need those, it. All, all your those assumptions two things, are based on them losing, but they didn't lose. But all those are the two reasons <laughs> they will lose if they're going to. So if they don't have those two things happen, then they win. But they're, at some point, history repeats itself because people forget lessons. Yeah, in 100 years. They're not. They're not going to lose. I think that. I also think the fact that this thing with the season ending, LeBron's probably thinking, "Well, gosh, I'm going to go into July." He's not thinking he's going out in the first round. And plus, he got older too. I, I give LeBron a pass. He's done. He's when thinking, he doesn't need to do it anymore, he's already represented our country at a high level. If, if he was actually on that 014, so he did his three trips. Because he didn't go in 16 either, I don't think. He did his three trips. And if Durant doesn't go again, well, he's done it three times. Well, he's in his 30s. He'd be 35, 36 years old. And, and I get why guys at 35 really need the offseason. Of course. But the guys in the late 20s and early 30s uh, can play. Mitchell will be there. Yeah, you'd think so, right? Oh, and there were no so soul. many injuries this year that I get why a lot of guys didn't go. First off, some of them legit have the injury. And then secondly... It's a real short turnaround into the next season. It's a real short turnaround after the playoffs. So and, we'll get and maybe back to normal. Booker and, and Holiday and Middleton probably aren't getting enough credit for going, like finishing the finals in, in the case of two no, of them I having the parade and then go. Did. I think they did. So I think they did. That, that, they could have taken the easy way out. They didn't. Yeah, all first timers. Why, why wouldn't right. you go? I, who wouldn't? Wouldn't be dying to go, wouldn't you? If well, he hadn't gone. Apparently. Yeah. They'll be fine next next go around. There'll be players. Zion, Mitchell. Jokic. Who knows in three years? Three years in pro sports is a long time. Jokic will have to get his team qualified. Don't, don't put him on the U.S. team. Why not? Olajuwon was on the U.S. team. <laughs> don't, we're not going down this rabbit hole now. Are you <laughs> pretending to be dumb at 9.55? <laughs> no, no. You'll get citizenship, time. buddy. Okay. The greatest freaking country in the world, and I don't make any apologies for it. <laughs> Unlike somebody, how about the people who are not rooting for the U.S.? They're mad at the guys about last summer because they think they're taking the patriotic stand. The, the problem I have with that rooting against is the U.S. That, is taking the patriotic stand. Yes, because they rooted against the U.S. Those folks went against what we're about. So, yes, in a twisted way. But now they've set way. their differences aside and they've gone over there to I represent did. the red, white, and blue. Some of them on super short notice right after finishing the finals. I, I think you, in a, in a free society, you have to take stuff that you don't agree with. <laughs> right? You don't get your way all the time? I want so, my way all the time. So that's the essence of the free country oh, here. I thought you were going to say that's the essence of me. <laughs> no. oh, I want my way all the time? Yeah, I want well, my I'm no way different all the time. than anybody else. I want my way all the time. But even though stuff over here bugs you... You still have to come together at the end of the day and... But you have to accept that they have the freedom to do that. Right. Without getting into a prolonged political thing, the only thing that I can agree with being upset about is folks doing it on the job. On the job, do the job. 
Because the rest of us, I can't come out and okay. But you're the one. You're the king of life. Isn't fair. You and I can't do it on the job because we just are average Joe's having a job. And they've got one-of-a-kind, off-the-charts talent, so they can do it on the job, and life isn't fair. Different people get to play by different rules. Jimmy Johnson wakes up Troy Eggman, but he cuts the other dude. All true. So, But I get why people would be upset about others doing, doing it, it on, on the, the job. job. And I get why they'd be upset about their message, but that's part of the free deal we got going on here. You're making a lot of sense to me. I want to argue with you, but it's true. It, the funny thing is, the last time the country went through something like this, apparently, and I'm not old enough to remember it, but I am the '60s, and there oh, were there were people who didn't 60s. go. The free love I got in the '60s. You no, no. <laughs> if you remember it, you were you were a little. <laughs> never mind. In 1968, hey, Jersey, man. in 1968 and 72, <laughs> the best collegiate players didn't play. That was part of what was tearing did the country apart. Did not. Like, oh, Bill Walton didn't, didn't, didn't play, play okay, in 72. Kareem right. didn't play in 68. So there's a couple all-time Hall of Famers who didn't play. And I think if we dig in, there were more guys. Now, there were some good guys, some very talented players who did play. But there were also very talented players who didn't. And they didn't for political reasons? Yeah, I think some of them. I can't say all of them. I, I can't even tell you who they all were. But So the captain never played in the Olympics? So 68 and 72, those teams were not full-strength college teams. And they did win in Amateurs, 68, yeah. but they, they, didn't did. in se- they did in 68. Well, 72 where they got jobs. 72 is where they played the end of the game three times. We're going to keep playing until these guys over here win. Oh, Doug Collins was on that team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he would be one of the very good players who was on that team. Yeah. But I think somehow if they had Bill Walton fresh off of 21 out of 22 in the NCAA title game, that game might have gone differently. Was that, that was that the year? Uh, yeah, he, he won that. that. I th- yeah, because I think it was his sophomore year he did oh. in 72. If not, it was right before he did it in 73. Okay, okay yeah. It, yeah. it fell on, his titles fell on either side of that Olympics. So. All right. All right. So this time, whatever the difference is, guys still win. I mean, Durant still win. If Durant doesn't go, they don't win. Maybe they don't win with some of the other guys. Durant needed some help. But Durant was the biggest piece of the puzzle. No question, man. Drew Holiday got multiple shout-outs for the difference his defense made. Love seeing Durant play. Draymond Green got multiple shout-outs for the difference his Love defense made. seeing them made. being happy when they won, too. Yeah, but Lillard was right about the relief. Yeah. That was definitely part of the mix. Because for all your hollering, they were worried when they lost those two early games in the scrimmage. And for they were, all my passionately stating the facts. <laughs> and they were worried when they lost to France in the first Olympic game. And there's a relief that they pulled it off. Sure. I mean, credit France. France put pressure on them in the final. But they answered the bell. All right, we're done. Hands and Scott are up next. We'll see you tomorrow.